Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Guys, we are back for another episode with another repeat guest. You loved him when he was here last time. Dylan Aguilera, a.k.a. El Ray. That is what I have you saved as in my phone. So I, that's what yeah. I'll always think of you as. Welcome back, my friends. What's up? Thank you for having me back. I'm excited. No, of course. I love having you on. You are our youngest guest in our <laughs> roster. and. Nice. I wanted to come back to you. We did Pamela Smart last time. People loved that episode. And I know we're all just killing time during quarantine. And I thought you'd be great to have back on. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm killing time for sure during quarantine. Time is killing me more than I'm killing it. But I, I hope to change <laughs> that, you know? Yeah. I can't help <laughs> thinking like what this is like for you guys. Because I... You know, it's different for me to lose like a year of my life because I'm right. just like, well, whatever. Like, what do I care? But I feel like this is a <laughs> year of your adolescence. And oh, you yeah, guys this are- is, yeah, this is the year I turned 21. So, I mean, I'm it's it's over for me. You know, I mean, it, I mean, I, I've experienced it in its fullness. And I guess the experience is what counts later on in life. But yeah, man, I missed out big this year. It was supposed to be a big one. Well, I feel like you will catch up for that when time happens, but it is it is rough to like think about how that is affecting you guys socially or whatever. And right. all the kids like, I don't know, can you imagine being like five and like spending your kindergarten at home on a computer? Yeah, it's definitely going to be, this is, um, so many of my friends have pointed this out to me, but this is like such an important moment in history that is going to be like written down every detail of it for centuries you know so like this is we're like it's 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 like vietnam for us <laughs> <laughs> i feel I mean? bad for the kids who are studying for the tests about right now in the future like i oh, already I know, feel bad for those it. high school juniors who have to take american too much history. i know and then the, yeah the whole political argument comes in like whose fault was it who should have done this and man it's like ah. I cannot, I, I hope see I have the answers by then. I mean, I think you and I know the answers, but I oh, hope that we the know answers, the answers. Yeah, I hope yeah, the answers are are down pat in a history book by then. I don't know but, though, because I mean, they really messed up Columbus in history books. So who knows? <laughs> That's true. That is true. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, we don't have the best track record. Um, no, we'll see. But yeah, so and I do think like Trump putting that like pro-American history thing in place is mostly to protect him in the future. That was sick. I read that and I I just had like flashbacks my past life in fascist Italy with Mussolini <laughs> leading the country and like man because that's that's like that's like textbook beginning of fascism is like make sure everything about the government and history books is good make sure you know we and it's like what wouldn't you want it to be kind of like true i don't know instead of just whatever appeals to who's in office at the time he doesn't care no if one thing is abundantly clear it's that he doesn't care about us and i've been yeah 
I've been saying that like since before he was even elected. Like I remember arguing with people being like, he doesn't care about you. And oh, I never no. did. I think it would become this glaringly obvious. Oh, you're going to love this. So I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, but so this morning I, some, some Republican lady who ran for Congress tweeted that uh, she thinks this is her million dollar theory that, that show the masked singer it was only put on the air to to kind of condition people to accept the fact that we're going to have to wear masks or something. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm not even because she was so serious, hundreds and thousands of retweets. And I like commented, I was like, yo, okay, I said some trash or whatever. And then all of the people start attacking me, man. And I, I didn't believe any, like I believed about Pizzagate or whatever, not believed in it, but believe people believed it. But I didn't think it was as extreme as it is because now I got people on Twitter, I had to mute it, calling me all kinds of names, saying that I'm a George Soros person who, you know, is getting paid to comment and, you know, I'm a Satanist. And I'm like, wow, this is happening in real life. This is the future of the Republican Party. That is fucking crazy, especially because there's nothing more delightful in our country than the mass singer. And I think <laughs> we can all agree that those suits would not protect you from Corona. So I think I respect her hustle, but I think that unfortunately people are fucking crazy right now. And um, oh, I mean, of course, some come of the on. water, not yeah. the, not the mass singer, but today we are talking about, Boy in the Attic, which is a movie that you guys voted on through Twitter. We narrowed it down to two. And honestly, I'm kind of mad at you guys. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like I was, I was excited. I was going to choose Boy in the Attic for my choice. um, But I saw that girl on campus or whatever. And I was like, huh, maybe this one, maybe this one would be, you know, maybe this would be interesting too. But Boy in the Attic was definitely an experience to say the least. Yeah. You said that before we started this, that this might be the worst movie you've ever watched in your life. Ever and, and and it's like just it, it's it's great for this podcast, but in general, I would I would be very upset if I'd watch this during my you know my free time as opposed to my work time. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things that it's trying to be that it's not, and I feel like I understand I understand what it was trying to be. It was trying to be one of those like early 2000s, like psychological thrillers, um, you know, romance, weird things. Yeah, but it was made in 2016. And one of the weirdest parts of this movie for me is that we know that Michael, aka Luke, is 19. Yeah. But this actress, we never find out how old her character is supposed to be. Never, never. But she is she 30. I mean, no, honey, she's like a year younger than me. She's like 35. Oh, man, that's crazy. You know what's funny is that I had a feeling going into that, seeing her within the first couple scenes, you could tell by like her lip and like that area under between her lip and nose that she has some age to her. And so I looked <laughs> her up and immediately I was like, oh, yeah, she's old. She's definitely she old. And there were, yeah. Smile lines, which is like. Exactly. Not a bad thing. It just doesn't scream high school or like you know, 1920. And at certain points during this movie, it's explicitly told to us that she's a teenager or, you know, it's all this whole movie is sort of implied that she's tied to her mother in a way that either a minor would be or exactly someone someone under 21. Right. I was thinking at least a minor, you know, because her mom was like super kind of overbearing and which is, which makes sense as the story goes on. But you know, it's, 
it uh yeah it, she definitely gave me minor vibes for sure at least the character was supposed to and then her mom was like like shockingly beautiful oh like, yeah like like b-list angelina jolie or something that's what i kept thinking i was like yeah they definitely wanted angelina jolie for this part but didn't fit the budget and then you know it was just it was an odd contrast because at certain times during this movie and we'll get to those parts there's like sort of a quick forgiveness that happens between them on the regular throughout this whole movie where it's almost like they feel like sisters because like there'll be such an intense stakes and so much anger between each other. And then it's sort of the next scene after they'll be on speaking terms or things will be fine again. And I'm just, it, that was really hard for me to process. Yeah. I think it's because you and I don't really have that relationship with our parents that way. But it's, it is something that's definitely, I guess, like it was definitely apparent where they were always fighting, but always making up and then always getting, you know, back, you know, into the fighting. But I think it's because, you know, I, I don't know if they were supposed to be sort of close in age, you know, uh, but it, yeah. maybe that had a little bit something to do with it. I think mostly for me, it was just like this is really supposed to take place over a week's time. And yeah. this is a lot to pack into a week. And granted, oh, it's a lot. This movie wouldn't be fun if they weren't packing a lot into a week. And right, I guess it's exactly. not really fun anyway, but it no, just, yeah. the emotional hurdles that these two try to jump over in a week is fucking nuts. But let's get into yeah. it. So we let's open up on a cop. He's drinking from a flask as he drives yeah. the car up to an old home on a rainy day. I said, that's how you know he's seen things because he's drinking, you know, taking a swig from the flask on a rainy day. That's, he's He's been around, man. He knows what's going on in this city. And that's also how you know something's not totally right with him because he's a cop drinking on the job, driving. Oh, like, yeah, this, no. This home does seem familiar to him when he pulls up, but it also feels um, like he shouldn't be that comfortable. Right. It's very, exactly. It's very eerie. But I think maybe now looking back, you know, the fact that he was drinking as he was approaching that house maybe symbolizes in some weird way that there is some familiarity, you know? Yeah. So then he walks inside of the house and the house is like, it's unclear if the the place is just trashed or if this guy lives in chaos or struggle there. Like it looked like a little bit of hoarders meets potentially robbed meets bender. Yeah, you know what I noticed too, and it, it was weird, but it seemed like a lot, a good amount of the house was in order, but mainly just that table, like the table, I guess, in the kitchen or the dining room, or whatever, just had an array of different just items sprawled out, broken. Yeah, that lamp right there doing that weird flickering thing that I, I didn't understand, like how that was technologically possible. Um, <laughs> But, but yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely gave me hoarder vibes mixed with a little something else that I can't identify. Well, it was just like it was darkness. And I don't think, you know, at this point, we do know we do know because he finds the body of a young man, I guess, younger ish man um, yeah. on the floor with the pool of blood next to him. That seems to be coming mostly from his nose. Um, yeah. And he calls the coroner and the like 911 operator is like for your nephew and he's like yeah and she's like got it and she like whispers it sort of yeah and I'm like, i actually missed that yeah okay that makes a lot of sense it's almost like this whole town knows that this man is moments away from getting murdered like the way that the 911 operator just sort of like 
not only right. knew that that was his nephew's address, but that it could be his nephew. I thought it was probably a drug overdose. Yeah. Yeah. Something. I, I don't know. You know what I noticed though, is that, yeah, like you said, he was bleeding mostly from his nose, but there was a giant gash on the side of his head that didn't seem to be accumulating a lot of blood from it. Just that gash. And then the giant nose bleed and the puddle. But, um, but yeah, I, I think maybe also he, cause he was going out there, obviously he wasn't called out there. So maybe he had been missing for a bit, but that's just speculation. You know, maybe he'd been missing or something. Nobody had heard from him. So he went out to check and told people at the station, Hey, I'm going to be, you know, at my nephew's place. And that's why when he called, they kind of knew what was going on. Right. So then we flash to, um, two months later and we see this like little pretty just strip in town like basically the town center and we see a title card that says Chalice Washington 200 mm-hmm. miles from Coburg so we don't know what that means yet but we see no a mother n- we see a mother and her daughter riding in the car driving through this little town we're going to play 246 to 406 This town looks like it got left behind at the turn of the century. It hasn't changed much in the past 30 years. You know, I'm not stopping you from speaking at your grandmother's funeral. If you want to say something, you should. How do I give a eulogy when I didn't even know the person? Your grandmother's health wasn't good. She had trouble keeping it up. I did not say that it looks old. I said it looks haunted. There's no way I'm spending even one night in this house, Mom. Don't start with me. Come on, why can't we just spend the night at Marty's? We're only going to be here for a week. There's no room. His wife's kids moved back in. Just suck it up. It will be fine. Marty! Hey there, little sister. You look fantastic. So do you. And look at this one all grown up. Last time I saw you, you were just this high. Come on, I'll show you around. Okay. Okay. So, you know who she looks like? She looks like Jeanette McCurdy, the younger actress. Oh, yeah, there you go. I was was thinking about something the whole time. She does. She has that very just young actress look, you know? It's like young actress with a mature face sort of Exactly. Well, because she's 30. But yeah, I know exactly what you mean. But even Jeanette McCurdy kind of has always looked 30, even when she was a kid. She has like an, some kids have like an adult face. And I, and I have to recognize that as someone who is in her thirties, who has the face of like a fucking 12 year old. Like sometimes I look at myself in the mirror without makeup. I'm like, you look like a tired 12 year old. Like, (laughs) yeah, you just look like you're 12 and you've been like, fucking rolling on with all you know firing from all four cylinders so exactly they pull up to this house and i will say that you know you have to remind yourself consistently throughout this movie that they're in washington and that this is the pacific northwest because if you are not from the pacific northwest 
this looks like it could be in a million places to me. This house looks like it could be in the English countryside. Yeah. It looks like it could be in parts of New England. It looks like yeah. it could be, you know, in parts yeah. of the Midwest. It's really a, a classic looking home. And, you know, it's really, it's really beautiful. And they go inside. And one of my first notes about this house was that, it, I mean, it must have cost $20,000 a month to run this house. Oh, yeah. This is a big house with all the ivy outside all the maintenance that has to be done on it man it's it's it had to have cost a whole lot to keep up even just cleaning a house like that is insane with like the chandeliers they have and like sort of all the like intricate little spaces and things that it's clearly like a house that a family was raised in and then a, a mom just like died alone in, which is like, exactly. terrible. yeah, that makes sense. It's crazy. Cause I have a friend who is like, has the same situation where his grandma's still alive, but she still lives in the house where his parents were raised or his, you know, his mom was raised and his aunts and uncles. And it's like, it's got the same feeling, you know, old pictures kind of like a mix between modern and like very old, like seventies, eighties. But yeah, just kind of memories laying around everywhere. It's kind of unorganized, definitely hoarderish. I would say there's like Victorian elements to it as well. Like it's very like it's very sort of fancy in some yeah, ways. It's a, yeah, exactly. It's a very majestic house. You know, definitely maybe maybe or, or 1920s built or something. I don't know. Something something around them before Great Depression. So um, we learn that Rachel and her mom were not that close. And we find out that her brother really did like try to get grandma into an apartment or something more suitable but she insisted on living in this house and we'll never really tie up all the odds and ends in this movie, which is so frustrating because there's, you know, so much potential when you are taking a granddaughter who doesn't know her grandmother to her grandmother's house for the first time. Right. And every object in the house has like a sticky note with someone's name on it. So that, which is something a lot of I think my grandparents did that like when when we were they were getting close to the end is that they went yeah. around and they put people's names on the bottom of things. So oh, that's cool, yeah. Um we learned cool that idea. Yeah, Rachel and her mom were not that close. Um but she's, you know, bringing her daughter there for the first time. Um again with the names they taped to those under and so then um Callie is like really zoned out while her uncle Marty and her mom are talking about this. And I guess this is really like it hits me sort of retelling it after watching it where, you know, she doesn't know this lady. So she's like looking at this place and I'm sure there's a mixture of like, this is so creepy, but also this is what I missed out on as a kid. Yeah, you know, and exactly. And I think she went into like the 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 whole trip with like the whole preconceived idea that it's all you know this is creepy it's a haunted house and so she's looking for things to kind of find sketchy also you know so like she i noticed it was funny because you know the 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 one room in the house that's lit is the room where they're all in and she's just doing nothing but looking into all the dark you know rooms of the house and like trying to find stuff to kind of like be afraid of it almost felt like for me yeah because it it does feel like she's had to create stories in her mind about what her grandma is and who she was and all this stuff because she was never a part of her life. So this character, like, you know, grew up without a dad and she grew up without knowing her grandma at all. And again, it does feel strange to me that Rachel would even put her through this whole week. It's almost like, Oh yeah, that's really weird to me. Pack up the house of the grandmother. You never knew with me. Like it just, 
it feels I'm like still a, not going to tell you about it. Yeah. It feels like a recipe for like what could be so much more. And this movie does maybe a third of what you oh, would love to do that. with the story. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, they, yeah. It pretty much like if they could have rewritten it from this point, they'd be better off, I think. But yeah, that's, <laughs> that's just my opinion. <laughs> So then Rachel and Callie are packing up the kitchen that night and Callie looks into the fridge and there's a ton of these takeout wrappers that are the same yeah. like green and red checkerboard paper. And she's like, well, grandma's leftovers are still here. So she goes to throw them away. And I mean, they don't look old. That's the first thing. that You know what? Yeah, that, that's funny because I didn't even take note of that. I thought, wow, like that's just such a weird thing to write in. I didn't catch the foreshadowing or anything there. Yeah, and and you know it doesn't like because I you would think like old leftovers that are from before someone died, and I mean yeah. I'm not really sure on the timeline. We do know that Grandma got cremated, so they yeah are, it takes a while to process. We're not tied to like a quick turnaround schedule the way that we would if it was like a proper burial, but yeah. Uh, yeah, there's like this half a grilled cheese sandwich, which you know would be so gnarly looking if oh, it had been yeah. in there for over a week. So exactly that night, Callie's sleeping in like a guest bedroom. What was probably one of the kids' rooms when they were growing up. When we see someone walking through the house in a black hoodie, it's the yeah. boy who lives in the attic. Spoiler right. alert. So. <laughs> They go to the fridge to check for their leftovers and they find that everything is replaced with fruits and veggies. And I'm so interested in like Callie's relationship with food in this movie, because on one hand, it seems like she likes everything to be organic and fresh. Oh, yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah. But then also like her go to foods are like cinnamon rolls and pizza. And I'm like, what's going on here? But isn't that uh, the story of every like teenage girl nowadays? Like just that's this weird need or like want to kind of be cool and hip with the whole organic stuff and then just eating nothing but junk, like the organic junk. My sister's yeah, like that. Like the vegan <laughs> junk food thing. I mean, yeah. it, feels, it feels like um, they did go a little like extreme for only being there for a week. There's like six grapefruits in there and like a oh, shit ton yeah. of apples and like there's All like gourd looking things. Yeah, there was gourds. That's what I was going to yeah. say. There was fucking like zucchini and shit. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. what is like, how long are you truly staying here? Like if it was a week, I'd be like, we're getting takeout every night. We have to pack know, the man. whole house. It's, it was weird. I noticed that too. So then um, in the morning, Rachel pours herself some coffee and Callie comes downstairs and her mom's like, how'd you sleep last night? And she's like, like a baby, a baby who wakes up every hour because of all the creepy noises in the house. And I wrote in my I notes, know. she's too old for this. <laughs> Very way too old. Yeah. And also I noted, I didn't, I didn't hear any creepy noises that night. It, but yeah, it, it is a very, very thing that's way beyond her years, you know, like where well, you're waking up in the middle of the night because something creaked, man, that's no way, man. I would sleep like a, like a rock, you know, like I'm not waiting for that to happen. And also we don't know like where they're from. So to me, like the idea of not knowing that a house will settle is something I would expect from someone who grew up. I don't know, in mostly modern construction, but right, that makes sense. Yeah, pretty much anywhere in the country you live, except for you know most places in like Southern California or whatever, your house yeah. is settling all the time. Oh, of course, yeah, and it, like yeah, exactly, like you said, like it's nothing, it's not unusual, you know, that's nothing unusual. 
maybe for a big a house this big though that is you know confusing for them but then we do see her house that she lives in with her mom at the very end of the movie and i'm like you can't tell me that house isn't settling exactly you tell me that stuff isn't creaking that like 1925 looking built one story home on it looked like to be like an edge of a hill kind of something like that's got to be moving around with the tectonic plates man yeah for real and then the other thing is that the inside of the house the interior the kitchen in particular looks like it had to have been remodeled probably within the last 10 years based of course, off the, yeah, yeah the aluminum the handles, fridge and stuff yeah the i like the um island that exists like the marble top that they have on it and i'm like how yeah. much I, mean, I feel like grandma's really rich oh of course i thought so too immediately yeah because of all the, man first of all that house keeping it up and you know maintaining it like we said earlier and the fact that you know it is it looks to be in a very secluded area you know and yeah it, it she she was definitely well off and and had good taste sort of this family has a weird attitude about money and that's going to there's a big tell for that later on but right now let's focus yeah. on the fact that there's a knock on the back door and we meet Eric Benson and his son Jordan Right. And the two of them are these like pale redheads who just seem incredibly odd. And I have to say, I've never understood like that really like weird stereotype about redheads being like gingers. Like I was in my (laughs) 20s the first time I heard of that like folklore or whatever. And I personally was like, I never like really understood it at all yeah. and i feel like they were going for that in the casting where they got these two sort of like very pale maybe like you know strange redhead guys to pop out of nowhere and then we really don't see we don't spend any time with them in the rest oh my of the god movie. i'm glad you said that because they, they were very unnecessary characters i thought and we'll find that out later you know more so later but they they were very kind of minimal to the story, despite the entrance they made was very awkward and odd. And it made you think like, huh, maybe there's something up with these guys, you know? Yeah, but they and they just like never played out to be these like red herrings that you wanted them to be. I these- know. Never, ever. Nothing. And the only thing that I got out of that experience was the fact that the younger one is it Jordan's the son, right? Yeah. He kind of looked like Joe Kennedy the third to me. But that was about it. He does have that look (laughs) to him. He totally does. So we're going to play this scene. Jordan, you know, he can't take his eyes off Callie when he comes in. So let's play this clip. uh, 634 to 801. Come in. Hi, Eric Benson. This is my son, Jordan. Uh, We live nearby. We saw your car. We thought we'd come by and introduce ourselves. Are you Evelyn's daughter? I am, Rachel. Hi, pleasure. Nice to meet you. Uh, This is my daughter, Callie. Please, come in. Uh, we brought you guys some donuts. Thank you. Listen, we're really sorry for your loss. Thank you. Actually, I have to ask, are you the neighbor that called the paramedics the night my mother passed? No. Uh, rumor had it it was Lily, a woman who lives next door, but when I asked her about it, uh, she said she was out of town that night. No, thanks. It just seems so strange. No one seems to remember who called. I don't understand why the person would leave before the paramedics arrived. Well, to be honest, uh, I'd never seen your mother have company. We know everyone around here, and she wasn't friendly with any of them. Whoever it was, I'm very grateful. The funeral's on Sunday, right? If you want, we can let people know. That'd be great. Thank you. Hey, Marty. Eric, how are you? Marty. 
Jordan? Good. Good, yeah. Actually, we're just uh, getting ready to leave, so uh, I know you guys need to take care of some stuff for your mom. But if you're not going with them, maybe I could show you around the town a little? Go ahead. Um, sure. Yeah, it's better than sticking around to box all this stuff up. Let me just, um, put pants on. <laughs> I'll see you at home. Okay. So... The vibes I got here with like Marty is I was just like, it felt so familiar in that like, this is the elderly neighbor that they have been nice to, although she's never been particularly warm to them. Right. Uh, They feel close enough that they're coming up to her back door instead of the front door. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but exactly. That's just, you know, I guess the set thing, but that's totally, you can't write that in there. You know, that was the line again that didn't really need to be there, but they just felt it necessary to keep it in there, I guess. It's a familiarity that they have. And then when Marty comes in, he's so like cool towards them. I know. Like, yeah, they must see him around a lot. Yeah. And like, I feel like Marty's not ever really been nice to them. And I'm just like, this Poor family, like the Bensons keep trying with these people. They're they just trying do. to be good neighbors. Like Right. They wouldn't spend hard earned money on donuts. You know, it's crazy, <laughs> man. Like I don't understand what the what the hostility is here. Yeah, it this whole family's got issues and it's I hope very the weird. Because even the mom was kind of rude, you know, like, oh hello, you know. Yes. <laughs> I hope they don't take it personally. That's, I guess, my hope is that the Bensons go home and they're like, that has nothing to do with us, okay? That is all that. So the way that Marty and Rachel smile at each other a little bit when Jordan asked Callie out seems, I wrote in my notes, it seemed like cruel. Like, not cruel in in an overt way, but in a way. But like, look at this ugly guy. (laughs) Yeah, just like the, it's just judgment, and like it almost seems like a statusy thing because again, it, it like to I guess your point, they're hard earned money. It does seem like the Bensons are more working class than oh, this sure, family yeah. is, and I would just like I'm I'm heartbroken for the Bensons. Off the I, bat. Yeah, and I I stay heartbroken for the Bensons honestly, but <laughs> I mean I. I, I thought I did think it was really weird, you know, c- kind of the mom's attitude towards them, like I, you know I understand like the unfamiliarity with them, but the fact that she wasn't, like she said, she wasn't even very close with her mother. And it's not like she was going through such a hard time and like, couldn't be like, Oh wow. You know, that's so nice of you. I guess it's just a personality thing. Totally. And I mean, so then Jordan and Callie go on this walk around town together and you do sort of get that feeling that she's a little bit embarrassed to be seen with him because she feels like she's, too cool or too pretty or too, you know, worldly to be walking around town with this. I know. A first impression too. Guy. I know. He seems homeschooled too. Like she oh, just I totally get you on that. So um she's like, Yeah, you know, I, I've never met my grandma and you probably know more about her than I do. And he was yeah. like and he's like, you know, I don't think anyone really knew your grandma. He's like, does it bother you, though? And he, she's like, yeah, of course. I resent my mom because right. she kept my only living grandparent for me my whole life. Yeah, but exactly. And only, yeah, and they, she, you know, she mentioned also that only really the the uh, the brother, Marty, kind of knew the grandma and had a relationship with her. But we do know as, you know, 
uh, units as watchers and as I guess the family of Cali is that the grandma did like ravioli and fruit cocktail a lot because she had at least 300 cans in the fridge and the cabinets. So it's so funny you say that because I have this written down in my note. When I heard she had 300 cans of fruit <laughs> cocktail in her pantry, my instinct was to say that she does not like fruit cocktail. And that oh, she exactly she came into this surplus of fruit cocktail and didn't know what to do with it. Because I'm yeah, like, and, yeah, exactly. Cans. Like, at what point do you stop buying the fruit cocktail that you're not eating if you and, love exactly. fruit cocktail? And fruit cocktail, doesn't like the canned fruit cocktail, doesn't it last for like four years or something? Like, it's it's pretty it's pretty solid to keep. It's like it's like storm shelter food. <laughs> like literally when corona started i ordered fruit cocktail on the exactly. internet it's that type of thing yeah but like also i like was just like kind of laughing at myself when it came because i'm like this has no nutritional value like what was your Nothing. plan what was your plan with this fruit cocktail molly like it's, I it's went, fun <laughs> i know i, guess, I you know? Like went to some like depression era lifestyle that i've never even yeah. lived and just was like yeah. oh you gotta get fruit cocktail if, if the quarantine's coming and none so, of the fruit in fruit cocktail is like it tastes like any other normal fruit that you would eat you ever notice that yeah because it's like even the grapes are like weird tasting grapes yeah the grapes and then oh my god the worst was and i don't even know if you're old enough for this is like when i was a kid there there was this fruit salad they would sell in a jar and it was like no. a jar as long as like your from your fingertips to like your elbow and it was like a massive jar and it would be like melon and then just like grapes and it it was like it always tasted like it had been like formaldehyde or something it had this like i believe it bad taste and i and by the way everyone else ate it i kind of feel like it might have just been me that was tasting it because i'd be eating it and being like why doesn't anyone else know this tastes disgusting uh, yeah, I know. I think it's because nobody used, to, especially back then, you know, I feel like nobody really ate good fruit or anything until the whole organic craze came in and like, oh, better get it organic. You know, back then fruit was kind of just a decoration you kept at your table. I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> I, my grandfather was always about that, like produce life. Like he had a whole oh, okay. fucking jungle yeah. in our backyard um, that my grandmother had bulldozed, which was like kind of iconic. One day he went to work That's and my funny. grandmother bulldozed his whole garden which is like actually really like mean <laughs> yeah but i mean you know when you get married it's part of the deal you got to get some stuff bulldozed i guess it had to go so um rachel and marty um talk at the church and this is a really strange scene because she's trying to stay on brand that this is about the funeral but marty is trying to get some facts out of her about all of this yeah i call and yeah she tells him that you know callie thinks that she was the one who kept her from her grandmother all of these years. So she's like, oh, oh, no, I took responsibility for that versus letting her think the worst, which was the truth, that her grandmother wanted nothing to do with her. Exactly. Yeah. And, and Marty's whole, like, well, yeah. why don't you tell her the truth? And Rachel's like, well, I, you know, I don't want her to know her grandmother didn't want to acknowledge her existence. Yeah. And then at the same time, like in that same conversation, which, by the way, 
is a total lifetime sequence is what I kind of call it. Cause it's like yeah. just them walking symmetrically down a church pew, you know, not really making eye contact just, yeah, it, but it's, 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 it's just gold. But um, I also, the whole conversation with the father came about right here too, you know, and how she just has been lying to her daughter for all these years. She says that she never even gave Callie his real name. In case she wanted to Google him, which is so stone cold. Like that is terrible. It's it's smart, but evil. And she says that Callie thinks her dad's name is Roger and that he left when she was a baby and that grandma didn't like him. That's yeah. It it was the whole thing is just a giant mess that she's kind of dug herself into. And I guess now, especially, especially since she decided, Hey, you know, it'd be a good idea for me to take my daughter who doesn't know her grandfather or her father to a giant, you know, funeral for her grandmother. And I don't know if she was expecting not for her daughter not to ask questions or something, but she was really just digging herself deeper into a hole. Because she's at that age where it's like, if you're 17 and you have no relationship with this grandmother, I wouldn't be like put off if my mom was like, I'm going away for a week to handle this. And like you're staying with a family friend or whatever. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like if you're that age, like let's assume she's 17 or whatever and your grandma died and she had been alive all your life and you never met her, it wouldn't even, I mean, obviously I guess it would bother you kind of, but it would be like, Oh, okay. You know, sorry. Oh, so sad. RIP, you know, in a way at least because you have no personal connection. Yeah. So then Rachel, you know, she's talking about how she's glad they're giving mom the church funeral she would have wanted, but Marty is like still on this Cali thing. And he's like, you know, is Cali ever going to want to know what really happened? And he's like, you know, you really should, tell her before she finds out in another way yeah yeah. Rachel just completely blows it off so then Jordan and Callie go into this local diner and Jordan orders a large latte and then Callie wants a small soy mocha with no whipped cream and I was like I wrote in my notes this place has soy and I I, I know I noticed that too but it is the you know it's the northwest so they're kind of hip I guess yeah, they would, right? And and this yeah. this does get brought back up later. But then um this handsome blonde man enters and catches her eye. And Jordan definitely feels like he's on a date with Callie and Callie is sort of trying to communicate with her body language to this blonde yeah, this man. Is not a date. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, I'm this I'm available. So then she looks over at his table and he's written high in large letters inside of a sketchbook that he has and he holds it up for her to see and she giggles a little bit. And then Some Jordan Taylor Swift said, shit right there. Exactly. And then Jordan's yeah. like, you know, oh, this place is where everyone goes. I hope you like it. And then she looks back and the blonde guy has now drawn a heart in a question mark in the sketchbook. And she giggles yeah. again. And Jordan, poor Jordan, he keeps like just missing all of this. And he's like, yeah. what's so funny? And she's like, just people watching. Yeah, she she's just the worst. Honestly, if I was Jordan, I'd be like, fuck this, you know, like fuck you. You pay for your own fucking coffee. I'm going back to my dad and we're going to go live our miserable lives by ourselves. Or just like deescalate it by being like, you know what? Like I'm not, I'm just trying to be nice. I'm just trying to take you around. Exactly. She's already just being just terrible. And I don't even know if it's on, it's obviously not on purpose. It's just who she is. And we'll figure that out. I guess more as the story goes on, she's just not really like the greatest person, not the most intelligent either. Yeah, I mean, I think that her age would have helped a lot contextually because her behavior, if you're like 20, her behavior is like really fucked up. If you're like 15, her behavior 
is a little bit more explainable. He's like, yeah. I'm here. I don't want to be seen with this, like, you know, guy yeah. that I don't think is hot. And I don't want to. You know people. what I noticed too about the whole storyline is the fact that if if she was 15 or whatever, and this guy was, let's say, you know, 17, 16, it would make it a whole lot weirder. You know, it would be like this 15 year old girl is, you know, like, you know, looking at this 19 year old guy or this 19 year old guys looking at this 15. It, it was just a very hard movie to make a, for a certain age of characters. I agree. I, I completely. I went on a I went on so many journeys trying to understand everyone's motivations in these. Yeah, but it was since weird. then Callie gets home. Um, Jordan walks her home, and he's like, "Maybe we can do it again sometime." And she's like, "Yeah, maybe." And she's really like, you know, sort of just blowing him off, and he seems to take that in stride, which is you know kind of him. Um, right. But then when she gets inside, her mom is going through photos um, and she says she needs to find one for the funeral service. And Callie sees this picture, this like portrait that her mom holds up. Um, yeah. It looks like, you know, her mom's last sort of professional photo shoot. Yeah, when like she, a headshot, I noticed. It's kind of weird, her, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and so she's like, you guys kind of look alike. And Rachel's yeah. like, oh, I don't see any resemblance here. And (laughs) it's a little like, it's a little mean, but that's also something I think that people should feel comfortable freely saying about their parent if they feel that way. Yeah. And also, I mean, I felt like that was one of maybe the only deep lines in the entire movie. Cause it was like, there's always, you know, you hear it all the time where the, you know, if you don't, if you don't have a good, you know, relationship or whatever with your parents, you never want to be told you look like them or you act like them. It's like the worst thing to ever be told kind of so it's like maybe it was that you know she was purposely trying to, i guess separate herself and give herself her own identity because there's so much pent-up unfinished business or whatever with her mom but yeah but like we never find out like really what's so bad about her mom i i think it's just what, what i mean a little bit later you kind of just realize that there was just so much i guess mistrust and so much uh, just I different set. You know, we'll, I'll I'll bring it up a little bit later when it comes up. I don't want to give anything away yet. Okay, so then we go to the sheriff station where the sheriff, um, where the sheriff's sister has arrived, and he's yeah. nursing a glass of whiskey at his desk. So we do, know. You know, like, yeah. again, confirmation he's a drinker. So let's play right. eleven twenty two to twelve thirty four. Let's do it. Send her in. Hey, Marge. How you doing? What'd the doctor say? Gave me a new prescription. Stronger, he says. Thinks it might help with the nightmares. I passed out more of those flyers that you had made up, and I I was thinking that maybe if we increased the reward money, that I could... I could sell Eddie's motorcycle. The reward's already uh, pretty high. I don't think it'll make much of a difference. I dreamed last night that I killed the son of a bitch. I made him die a slow, painful death, just like he did to Eddie. Trust me. Michael Collins will never see the inside of a prison cell if I have anything to do with it. I will find him, and he will pay for what he did. I'm going to make sure of it. 
So his life goal is to kill this man himself. Right. Right. Exactly. I think it's pretty clear. But let me just comment real quick. There is so much context to unpack in this scene that is never addressed. I know. I know. It's like one of the poorest written scenes I've ever experienced viewing wise and hearing wise. It's like you net this, this never her whole medical, you know, whatever condition, no spoilers at all. This never gets solved. It's, it's just so left out there and you have to, I guess, kind of assume for yourself. No, the first time I watched this, I was like a little stoned and I took screen caps of every single line that was uttered in that scene. Yeah. Like with the with the subtitles on. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, I just wanted to like read it to get a sense of what it would look like on paper. And like it made no sense. Like it was I was like, am I going crazy or does, is this like just a lot of non sequiturs being said back and forth? I'm thinking this was definitely probably shot out of sequence and maybe even written out of sequence. Cause uh, they just didn't it doesn't make sense. If you're doing it, you know, like I guess what's what what's it called when you do it, you know, in order? chronologically or whatever yeah yeah it, it, it wouldn't that would have easily been caught like hey what, what, what are we doing with this but you know it's not really but yeah it was just it was an over an oversight that would just really that's that's what it started getting bad for me i think and then the other thing too is that you know this was right away even without sort of seeing what murder happened at the beginning yeah. right away you know that it wasn't a slow painful death based off of oh, the state yeah. of the body. So like, that's another thing that kind of annoyed me about this was I was like, I'm pretty sure like a forensic, a basic forensic test will let you know that this was not was like a instant. slow, torturous death for him. Yeah. And even exactly, even by the injuries, it's kind of like, this was not, yeah, it was very, you know, almost kind of, it almost kind of looked accidental in a way or not even accidental, but just, it looked quick and just concise, you know, like, Almost yeah. looked like, it, especially with all the things around it, it looked like, you know, kind of a sort of, you know, a, a quick, you know, with maybe a robbery gone wrong or like something crazy, but it just, it wasn't planned. It wasn't premeditated, doesn't seem like. I feel like Urban, the sheriff, I love that his name is Urban. Yeah, I know, it feels kind of crazy I, too, yeah. I feel like Urban has been poisoning his sister Marjorie's brain for years now about this. Yeah, and, uh, uh, totally. Like she's been driven so much more crazy by sort of his grudge in a way, as opposed to like where I feel like, you know, because he's saying like, don't worry about increasing the reward, like the reward's high enough. Like, whereas I feel like he really believed his own shit. He'd be like, yeah, let's put more money in there. We really got to get this guy. Right. You know what I noticed, too, real quick, is that. Um, she makes it seem like it's almost been decades. Like this is a cold case or something. <laughs> yeah. like, why, like, why is it taking so long? Which begs the question. It's like, how, what, it, it, what, how long has it been? You know, what's the, what's the turnaround time here? It feels like it couldn't have been more than like a couple of years max based off exactly. of how. Yeah. Even that seems like, and, and again, you'll see later, it seems like a total stretch. And it's like, this was just not planned out very well. There are like murders with so much more like cut and dry shit involved in it where it takes years to get someone. And this seems like a very murky case at best. I honestly think the villain in this movie is Urban and the way that he's. Oh, that's what I'm saying too. But see, like, 
I didn't, you don't pick up on that until very long into the movie. Like I, you kind of got that vibe that he was crazy, but you would, I, I never thought like, Oh, this guy's the enemy here. You know? Yeah, no, I, his brain is rotten. Like on the rewatch, I'm like, dude, his yeah. brain is rotten. So, um, yeah, um, it's it's nighttime now when we see our strange blonde man is sneaking back into grandma's house and Callie is awake and looking through things in the room that she's staying in. Yeah. And there's this like horrifying collection of old dolls in this room and photos of her grandma. And she's just sort of like getting to know her a little bit through going through all of this. And yeah, exactly. The blonde guy is sneaking up the stairs to head towards the attic, trying to make as little noise as possible. When Callie right. comes out of her room and calls to her mom about the strange noises and Rachel gets yeah. up, and he's like, it's an old house. It's settling. And I thought it was so interesting that Rachel chose to sleep in her mom's room. Yeah, that again, that has to maybe that that drove me to kind of think like, hey, maybe there is some, you know, connection there that she misses, but also doesn't want to face or something. But yeah, I, I want to comment on the fact that this guy, yeah, he was being quiet, but it didn't seem like he was going too out of his way not to make noises because there were creaks and he wasn't like stopping. He went and looked right in between the frame of the room and saw the mom sleeping. If, if she had been awake, game over, man. You know, like well, it, it's like it's almost like as if he's not he's never figured out a way to finesse this coming and going in the house because the only so person who was hiding well, the only person he was hiding from was like a 90 year old lady. So like, exactly, it wasn't that yeah. difficult for him to make his way around the house without her seeing. But like, now that there's two able-bodied people in there, he probably is wishing that he had figured out a, a way to put a ladder up to the window or something. Oh, totally. He's just getting lucky though, honestly, man, because he's not, it, he's exactly, he's got to either switch up his game, his approach, or he's got to find somewhere else to stay. Cause he's, He's, he's just not doing too great of a job. So while all this like conversation is going on, he uses that chance to get up to the attic and we see that he has like a little setup there and it does look yeah. like he's been there for a minute, but it's not like he's been living there for years or anything. He has a mattress on the floor. There's like some takeout stuff next to his bed, like some sketch pads, like all of his worldly possessions, which are not much is, is up no, there with him. And right. so, he has a flash. Um, he has like this flashback to the night that he killed the sheriff's nephew, Eddie. So we're like, oh yeah. shit, this is the guy. The guy who was right. involved in that murders in the house. Exactly um, in the beginning. And we see him like digging through the house looking for something, and then all of a sudden we cut back to the attic, and he jolts awake. So these are his nightmares that he's having. Is reliving that night. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So then Callie looks through some of her grandma's clothing and in one of the pockets, there's a folded up paper that she opens and it's a newspaper clipping. And the headline is Garrett Wright convicted, convicted of larceny, sentenced to 30 years. And right. she doesn't really like think much of it. Whereas like, I feel like my crazy ass would have been like, who's this? Is this my dad? <laughs> I would have been <laughs> right on that shit. Yeah, um, man, but the mom really fooled you with the Roger line. Yeah, she got her. She's like, no, I'm looking for a Roger. So yeah, exactly. um, we see um, a shot of the guy in the attic sketching away. Then we see Rachel find an item downstairs that was reserved for Callie. And it's this pink yeah. music box with the ballerina dancing in the mirror. This mm -hmm. music, you'll know what this is from. Is it like, it sounds like it's from American Horror Story, but like they use it's this. It's like a very classic lullaby that's used in a lot of horror movies. 
yeah, it's like it's that. I mean, they got that on point. And by the way, yeah. the actress who plays Callie was in an episode of the original, the first season of American Horror Story. Was she really? I didn't know that. I knew she was on the reboot of Nine Hundred Two One Zero. But I didn't know she was in the American Horror Story. That's crazy. Yeah, she's worked uh, quite a bit. Um, yeah, her name seems is, like she had uh, a lot of years on her. Abby Cobb. <laughs> <laughs> um, Abby Cobb, though, she's been working for years. So then Callie comes in um, holding this box. Um, and yeah. she's like, yeah, I'm making some headway on this pack. And st- I only have, you know, 800 more boxes to fill. She had no right. idea that her grandmother liked 80s death metal. So she holds up this I know, yeah, haha. And Rachel's like, oh, that has to be Marty's. Any guy stuff has to be for him. And again, this is another sort of dead end because again, uh, you're yeah, like exactly. kind of thinking like, oh, is this this guy's laundry like mixed into the grandma's closet? Yeah, but, but you never not. get an explanation. Yeah, it's totally not, I don't think. I, it's, and also, I, I wanted to comment on the music box. I, I thought this was going to be like very, very imp- – they kept – you know, close-ups on it and, you know, just reopening it and closing it, looking deep into it longingly. And it's just, it was a music box that the grandma left for her. <laughs> you know? It's kind of a fuck you piece too, because oh, yeah. it's like. I got all this shit around, but here's this fucking music box that I got at the thrift store for a dollar. Like that music box, every single girl who was born in the 80s and grew up in the 90s had that music box. It was like. Yeah. It's twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah, exactly. It's not. It was like it's a very like sort of junky thing, and it's so strange that her grandmother left anything for her, especially out of this whole house, this sort of like trinket of all things. Um, but yeah, so the boy in the attic crawls towards one of the vents in the ceiling and watches them as they talk. Which yeah. have you seen the documentary Voyeur uh, on Netflix? I started it. I didn't finish it. We just watched that for the um the one of the podcasts I do on the Patreon. It's like my quarantine podcast. And you yeah. know, you know my friend Todd Greenwald, right? Oh, yeah, I know Todd Greenwald, yeah. Todd and I have this like joke about watchers, like people who just like creepily watch yeah. people Keeping and so whatever. Yeah, I was totally we call them watchers though, which is like so dumb. We don't use it like we intentionally call it the dumbest thing possible. But like, <laughs> yeah. for some reason I was like, oh my God, he's a watcher. Like I couldn't yeah. believe it. Like peering through those vents, watching these people live their I life. Oh, that's creepy, man. He's weird for sure. Weird guy. A lot of a lot of personal issues to solve through. <laughs> so um Callie asked her mom if she's ever heard of Garrett White. And her mom just asks why. Which is that's when you know someone's lying, right? Is when they don't answer with a yes or a no. They answer back with a question. Exactly. She says that grandma had this article about him in one of her pockets. And Rachel says she's never heard of him. So then Callie says that she's thinking about going into town and getting some cinnamon rolls from the diner. They actually have a bunch of organic stuff. Organic, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so her mom's like, oh, it's not such a hick town after all. Um, Oh, yeah, that's funny. Which I, I don't think that she ever called it a hick town. I think she Never. just said it looked old. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> which it absolutely does. Yeah. Which, first of all, doesn't have anything to do with hicks or hillbillies or anything. Right. Especially, I don't know. Is like the Pacific Northwest, do they have their own like hick? Man, honestly, probably everywhere does. Because I know California does. And that was something that I never really expected until I was in the midst of it on the way to Sacramento, you know? The Bakersfield of it all. Yeah, the Bakersfield. Like, just everywhere past, like, even until Fresno, you know, it's just kind of just a bunch of 
you see Trump 2020 signs and all this stuff, you know, you're like, oh, these these people are different breed. They exist. They they totally they exist everywhere. So then Callie's eating at the diner when the attic boy comes in and asks if he can join her. And ladies, gentlemen, I think we've all had this first date where someone comes in. We're going to play the scene, but where someone comes in and they just fucking emotionally vomit their entire shit on you. Like everything. Like, and I would say that. Thankfully, I don't think I've been on a date like this since I was maybe 26 where I wasn't like, um, okay, like, what the fuck? Like, this is not appropriate exactly, or fun. Yeah. But um, yeah, let's play this scene. 1727 to 2027. Hey, mind if I sit down? Hey. So, uh, so how come I haven't seen you in here before yesterday? Uh... Oh, I'm, I'm Luke, by the way. Callie. Uh, okay. <laughs> hi. <laughs> um, Coffee? Thank you. Well, my, my grandma just died, so I'm here for a funeral, and then we're going to um, clean out the house. So, um, how long have you lived here? I don't. Just passing through. Bit of a nomad, I guess. Nomad? Is that code for homeless or something? <laughs> no. I've been homeless before, but uh, right now I'm staying with friends. You've seriously been homeless before? Only kid. No dad. Mm. Stepfather hated the fact that I existed. I came home when I was 18 and I found all my stuff, which really wasn't much anyway in a heap in our backyard. As I got closer, I saw what he was doing. It set the whole thing on fire. He burned your stuff. I pulled some of it out. Most of it was ruined. Pulled my guitar out by the neck. The rest of the stuff was on fire. And I, uh... I hit him with it, knocked him out. Cops got called, I got arrested. Mom bailed me out. Stepdad kicked me out, and I took off. <laughs> Would you rather the romantic version? <laughs> yes. Yes, they okay, would, okay, please. Okay. <laughs> I left home for life, traveling the world, capturing this beauty with my drawings. <laughs> it's a peaceful and meaningful existence. Ah, uh, yeah. Except okay. I am missing one small thing. Oh, you are? What's that? Mm-hmm. Um, a soulmate. Mm. Sure. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> do you want to come to Tuscany with me? Tuscany? Yeah, do you want to... Just go, to, t- go to Sure. Yeah. Okay, two questions. So, what's in Tuscany? And how many other girls have you asked that very same question? I have no idea what is in Tuscany, but I'm going to find out when I get there. <laughs> I've always really wanted to go, okay? And my second question? Oh, you're the first. Mm. Yeah. Whether you're the last is kind of going to be dependent on your answer. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> okay. <laughs> These two fucking maniacs, am I right? 
Oh my God. Let me tell you, this is like, just giving me flashbacks to middle school and like the most immature, stupid, like corny relationship things ever. Cause I mean, th- this whole conversation, especially, you know, on her end just screams immaturity. Like I- how are you hearing this coming out of his mouth and not wanting to just say, oh, <laughs> okay, thanks, and get the fuck out of there? And also, his story about the stepdad and shit, I, I thought in the beginning this was, you know, total bullshit. I thought he was, you know, lying and like, because it sounds like a totally made up fucking story. I've never heard of any guitar that when you take it out half burnt and hit someone over <laughs> the head with it, it'll knock them out. An acoustic guitar, right? I know, exactly. right? Just, yeah. So, and also the little mini flashback we got to the bonfire is stepdad. So, his stepdad is this like ogre looking creature in a white mustache, one of those hicks. Yeah. And he's got this kid, all of his belongings. It's like a toolbox. It's like the acoustic, (laughs) some some jeans, and like. Oh, yeah, just everything. Didn't miss anything. But then, like, artistically, they decided to put, like, a single pencil next to the guitar. And it's like, oh, my God, yeah. Is he that petty? This man's burning his fucking pencil. Like, yeah, as put it, it on a nice little bonfire <laughs> shape, put a jerry can with gasoline. All, I, I didn't buy it at all. I thought it was BS. But then, you know, I think, like, one of the most jarring parts of this scene for me is that you have to buy that she's only entertaining this because he's attractive. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He's good manipulating, you know, attractive. He's got, he's got sort of got game, I guess, to like a 15 year old or a 17 year old. She's definitely into this. But it's the aspect of him saying that he was homeless and sort of her like blanching at it and being like, yeah. you were homeless. And I'm like, yeah. if I was this guy, I would be like, this girl is not going to have the emotional fortitude to like go the distance with me in any capacity. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, forget it. But hey, man, crazier things have happened. So then Callie and Rachel are packing up the car with some stuff they boxed up and Attic Boy lets himself downstairs to use the bathroom for the day. And Callie reminds Rachel that they forgot the box from the creepy doll room. So they turn around and Michael, a.k.a. Luke at this point, is fully in the middle of like his morning routine. Like he's got his little bar of soap that he brought down from he brought down from upstairs, his toothbrush. He's getting cleaned up. And then all of a sudden Rachel comes back in and he like, tries to like you know show any signs of the bathroom being in use like tries to like dial it back slowly so like he tries to turn off the water but he doesn't do it all the way so there's this really like loud dripping sound that happens in these older bathrooms and god this guy so like she comes upstairs grabs the box and then right as she turns around he shuts the bathroom lights off and like Idiot. just like, I don't, I, yeah what a moron by a hair he fucked that up. And so she's uh, like, yeah, someone's in there. Right. Right. Yeah. I, he, yeah, I was terrible. And first of all, if I was in her situation and I saw the bathroom lights go off, forget it, man. I'd get the fuck out of that house. I'm not investigating like, Oh, you know, obviously someone is in there. I'm not going to go, Oh shit. I better check who it is. You know, maybe, maybe they'll have an explanation for this. I'd want to get the fuck out of there and just let somebody else deal with that shit. Tell my mom, call the cops, something. Yeah. So when she can't get into the bathroom, she's like, you know, runs downstairs and she tells her mom, mom, like the bathroom at the top of the stairs is locked. Like, don't you believe me now that it's haunted? And she's like, it's probably not. The lock probably pushed in when one of us was walking out of there, which is true. I will say in a lot of these houses with older construction, 
it's not actually impossible that like the door would lock behind itself because of some breeze and that maybe even the light would switch itself on and off depending yeah, exactly. on okay some, yeah that makes sense you know it's not like unbelievable but it does feel a little bit like you know rachel's gaslighting her like she's yeah she grew up in this house that was probably, you know, spooky to her as a kid, but like she grows up and realizes it's not actually that spooky. Exactly. Yeah. Exa- yeah. Okay. I feel you on that. It's just old as shit. And then, you know, Callie, for some reason, has never been into a house that was built before 1990 or something. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. I know. It's weird. I, just her attitude toward it is very weird. So then, um, you know, when they get home, her mom is able to like unlock the bathroom door from the outside with like that long point. Yeah, that little pick thing. Yeah. Whatever that long. I don't, I have them for my doors. I don't know what Me I call too. it. A pointy thing. I don't know. Yeah, like, I call it key just because it unlocks the door. <laughs> yeah. So then um, her mom like punches the door open without going in there. And she's like, see, Callie, it's no big deal. I'm going to leave this here in case you ever need it again. And then Callie opens up the bathroom door and sees that there's condensation all over the mirror. Right. Whereas, yeah. But I, first of all, why wouldn't you wipe that off, dude? You like, isn't that the first thing you would do? I'd be like, oh, shit, I better clean this up. No signs of, you know, human life in here within the past five hours or so. Open a window or something. I know, anything. Yeah, anything. So then the sheriff's sister shows up to the station, Marguerite Again. or Marjorie, and she has another five grand for the fund. And she says mm-hmm. she sold her wedding ring. Yeah. And Urban's like, Jesus Christ, why would you do that? And she's like, I don't care about the ring. Yeah. I just want to find Eddie's killer. And right. she wants to know why it's taking so long. She needs this to end. She needs it to be over. Yeah, and then she's crazy, man. Cut back to Michael showing Callie this greenhouse that he likes to hang out in. And he shows uh-huh. her his sketches. And yeah. you know, she's like, oh, my God, like, where did you study? And he's like, I'm just self-taught. Like, I just like to draw. And she's uh-huh. like, well, you should really be selling this stuff. And yeah. so he rips out a drawing of a rose that she uh-huh. is, like, looking at. And he's looking like, you should at. keep this or sell it if you want. Yeah, and exactly. The revelation that will come with this r- rose later is truly stunning. Like I, yeah, I, I thought was, it was pretty funny. I, it I was like believe it, it. It was like it was just it was it was perfect for this movie. I thought I was like, wow, of course, something like this just to put the put the corn on top of the corn. Right. So then he holds. Okay, this is so. This gave me chills. So then he holds out his hand for her to take it. And he whispers in her ear, like he hums in her ears. So they're slow dancing together. Yeah, slow dance. It's so weird and just creepy. Honestly, I thought, but yeah, they're like not old or young enough for this to make sense. They're at a perfect age in their life where both of them should be jaded enough to know how embarrassing that is. Oh yeah, I thought so too, man. Because yeah, because he's supposed to be what nineteen. I was nineteen two years ago. I would have never done anything like that, man. Yeah, and it's like if they were like you know in their fifties and they found love after you know whatever, then I'm like fine, be corny. Or if they're like fourteen, I'm like fine. Yeah, exactly. They're way they're at that in between age. It's just not. It doesn't not this not supposed to happen. So then, um, you know he kisses her and she's like sold like as if yeah you know, she bought the art baby she bought his I know, art man then then they kiss a lot afterwards after that you know, like this a regular thing for them to be kissing but yeah that was uh that was i knew that was gonna happen too because you can't go into the slow dance without finishing it off with a little smooch 
Oh God, I would just be like, can we just like cut to the kiss, get it over with? I know, right? this is weird. Dude. She's just as corny as him. That's why it works. You know? <laughs> totally. It's the only reason any like it's the only reason it works. They are so corny. You're so right. So then yeah. he tells her, he's like, I gotta meet some friends for lunch. We should get coffee at the same time tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, you know, if you know, we can um we can, you know, come by the greenhouse in the afternoon if you want to stop by. So she's like, well, yeah, I know. Like, it's a hangout spot. The, I'm here for the funeral. Like, yeah. I Did she ever even tell him that his her grandma died? Yeah, I I, uh, I don't know, actually. I figured, I, I mean, obviously he knew, but I don't right. know if it ever came up. I don't know if it ever came up. Oh, actually, maybe it did when he said that he was a nomad and she said, oh, I'm just here for my grandma's funeral or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then that night she's like sitting on a windowsill in like the guest room and she's looking at the sketch that Michael gave him or gave her. And then she realizes that a part of the rose lifts Lips up open, yeah. and it reveals <laughs> a message that he wrote. It says, Callie is beautiful with a heart next to it. And it's, it's written like in one that, of those Instagram fonts. Yeah. You know what I'm talking wrote, about? It's written in Mormon font. It's like the yeah, font like, that like Mormons use on their birth announcement. spice. Like exactly. Yeah. Like. <laughs> that font it's definitely type that's the funny thing it looks like it's type. it's just it's like just oh man you couldn't have gotten any cornier than that at that point i was like you guys did it congratulations corniest it's, thing i've ever seen it's sad because it like makes you feel like michael like when he has to kill time during the day he just walks up and down the aisles at tj maxx like the home goods section and just like that, that font has permeated his brain through that like oh yeah where would we even see that uh, I I have no I'm I'm telling you I have no idea especially because he is like such a nomad doesn't really he didn't have obviously he didn't have like Instagram or I didn't see any reference to social media or anything. I don't think he has a phone yeah. at all. Yeah. yeah, maybe that's why he watches so much. Maybe that's he's why he's a reason. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um. So the next day, the skies are really gray, and Michael peers through the vent in the ceiling as Callie answers the door. It's Jordan, and he has a bouquet of flowers for them, and he also has yeah. a card and he says that they can't make it to the funeral but they're there if they need anything and i'm you know just what? Like, good for them you poor son of a bitch i know i he, like like literally like you don't have to be this nice to them i know good for good for them man forget it honestly like because uh, didn't they like plan on going they were like oh we're gonna tell people about it that's the whole reason they came over and then now they're like oh fuck you like i'm not going to your fucking funeral i'm glad she's dead she's a bitch anyway you know Do you think <laughs> that's what it was do you think that that they were just like we're giving up like we have well, no they were obviously they just didn't feel very welcome and callie was such an asshole to you know what's his face and he definitely reported that back to his dad because it seemed like they're each other's best friends the spitting image <laughs> of each other do you think that marty and rachel grew up with the dad that that was something also that was never really mentioned. I don't remember hearing anything like, oh, you know, grandpa died or like, oh, this or that. It was always just even talking about, you know, uh, the mom kind of, you know, getting pregnant with the girl or whatever. You know, it was like there was no mention of, oh, yeah, my dad felt this way. It was it was just, oh, mom, mom, this mom, that. Oh, mom, this is where I grew up with mom and my sister. And, you know, it, it didn't didn't really give any credit or you know, acknowledgement to a father. Interesting. Well, wow. absent fathers or absent parents in general in this story. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is yeah, this movie is just it's a freak show. And like, I hate it when these movies leave you with so many questions and no answers that like, they really 
there's a lot coming up in this funeral scene as well. So Rachel yeah. giving the eulogy yeah. and Michael is going to enter up to the back to come and listen to it. So when I play this clip, that's going to be the Michael of it right, all. Right, right, right. Let's cool. Okay. So this church is like, it's more popping than you would think for someone that had no friends. But yeah. when Rachel gives the eulogy, you see that grandma's urn is this like very sleek, black, minimalistic. I know. I thought that was so urn. modern of them. And it doesn't. Like, yeah. It doesn't seem like this is the urn grandma would have wanted. Yeah, definitely. I don't know, man. Grandma's kind of hip with the redesign in her kitchen and whatnot. And I just yeah. also thought that, you know, the urn itself is just such a nod to like, you know, 21st century funerals. Like who's getting buried anymore? You know, like, yeah. that's, that's, that's so 20th century. We're I know. Cremated it's an now. odd expense. It's an odd expense. Oh yeah, it is. Um, yeah. Dying is expensive. It is expensive. It's a huge industry. So let's play 2854 to 3114. Cool. My mother wasn't an easy person to get to know. She was very private. She kept mostly to herself. Even I, as her only daughter, found it difficult to be close to her. But I do have fond memories of her as a child. She used to make dresses for my dolls. And I would help her bake chiffon cakes for the church bake sale. Truth is, my mom lived a solitary life. But it was one that she chose to live. I will always be grateful to her for the upbringing that she gave me and Marty. Thank you. That's the worst eulogy ever. This isn't easy for your mom. It's embarrassing. Thank you. Luke, what are you doing here? I uh, wanted to be here for you. Thank you, but you didn't have to come. Allie? Oh, I am. I gotta go, but uh, see you later. Allie, what's... Going on? Are you okay? No, I'm not okay. How do you think that made me feel? That was so embarrassing. You're up there basically trashing Grandma at her funeral. I didn't trash her. You didn't say anything nice. What I said was the truth. She was hard to get close to. What was I supposed to do? Get up there and lie? No, I just... I just want to know who she was. Why do you have all these secrets about her? Honey, there are things that you don't need to know. That is so unfair. I didn't have a dad. You didn't let me see my grandmother. I just want to know what it was. I don't care if they were mean, bad, horrible people. I just want to know. Okay. Okay. But let's just get to the cemetery. Everyone's waiting on us. I will tell you everything when we get back to the house, okay? Okay. Yeah, so this is this is a rough scene. And I want to know what you think about it, because on one hand, I agree that it's weird to get up on like, you know, to eulogize someone and to lie about who they were. I agree that that's weird. Yeah. But at the same time, if I was Callie, I would be like, are you like, are you kidding? That's it. Because you know what? Yeah. 
You want to know what I think, though, is the, the one thing out of this whole thing, aside from the terrible eulogy, aside from Callie's weird reaction for some reason, um, why the fuck are they going to the cemetery? Are they going to bury her ashes? <laughs> <laughs> that is what stuck with me. Because it's like, what? Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean the cemetery? Like, did you cremate just her bottom half and you're burying the top half? You know, so I, I didn't understand that at all. Unless they're just going to throw her ashes down a hole and say, forget it. I didn't understand that at all. But no, you're so yeah. right. It makes no sense that they were going to the no cemetery. No sense. No and sense. You know what uh, bothers me too is like when someone is supposed to be perceived as well to do in a yeah. situation and then they say waiting on or on accident where I'm just yeah. like that you're it's waiting for or by accident. It's not yeah. on accident. Oh, it's not yeah, waiting on. Yeah. Like what the f- like and by the way like I don't mind when people do that colloquially like at all but I do yeah. mind when, when it's written into a script and it's like grammatically incorrect and I'm like there's nothing about these people that make me think that they're like relaxed in speech or manner like yeah of course I think that they probably take themselves very seriously so I just right. was like what do you mean they're all waiting on you um, yeah. but yeah I mean it's um it's difficult because I think that I if I you know, were to like gauge how Callie feels, which is like a pointless effort. But if I were to yeah. like gauge how she feels, she's probably like, well, I've seen eulogies on TV before. Like when people right. eulogize yeah. their parents. It's just weird. Like it's not even that it was unwarranted. It was just like, you're that upset about it? Like you didn't even know her, you know? It's like, what? Yeah. But another thing I wanted to point out and that I was, I was kind of a... Uh, I thought was kind of weird was the fact that uh, she even c- really had a funeral in the first place, you know, cause it, if she wasn't friendly with anyone in the area and if she only had those two kids, who the fuck was taking up the seats? It didn't seem like it was, I mean, it, there was a lot of people there, but I mean, I don't know. It, it, it was, it was a weird situation. And the fact that we didn't see anybody else giving any eulogies, we didn't see anybody come up to the mom and be like, Oh, I'm so sorry or anything. Like it was just, it felt very almost like a community funeral for like whoever wanted to show up could come. (laughs) Yeah. They're making such a big deal out of it. Like it was this big event where, you know, everybody was going to be there, you know, like, Oh, better show up. And uh, I don't know. I thought it was weird. That was for sure. Weird. I think it all sort of goes back to me for like the Cali thing where it's like, if you guys, I see, I, this is where I almost like look at, um, Rachel and I'm like you are a little bit of a fucking liar lady like more than in oh, the way that you think. because yeah. like again with this family and their weirdness around money pay someone to pack up this house oh, if this is how you feel exactly. pay someone pay an estate manager to come in and you know call all you, those people Names are, yes. And like, instead, she brings her daughter who's never met this lady who she's probably sort of poisoned her against for all these years. Right. And, exactly. You know, Callie's thinking to herself, maybe my family isn't as weird. And, yeah. you know, then like the again, the funeral, the the it was like full enough that I was like, surely this lady couldn't have been as bad as she seems. Yeah, she, she, yeah, of course. So it's definitely, again, I, I really think like the mom has her own personal issues that she needs to get over. And the fact that, you know, it, she's finally like, okay, fine, I'll tell you. Um, 
I think she kind of felt that this was coming, you know, and maybe she was kind of taking her brother's words a little bit more seriously than she let on. We're like, it's about, it's time, you know, especially cause I dragged you out here, you know? Uh, so I, I think she felt like it was, she had no choice, but to kind of suck it up and tell her daughter the truth that not only has she lied about grandma, but also I lied about your dad. You know, I feel like she could have gotten away with the dad thing, not ever telling her. <laughs> right. Because it was, yeah, but you know, the, the grandma thing, you got to just you gotta be honest on why she, you know, the whole situation was the way it was. And then I, I you know, I hate to play a back to back. I'm going to play this scene where she tells her about her dad really quickly, but can we just address yeah, yeah. how weird it was that, Michael showed up to the funeral and Callie wasn't more weirded out. But then at the same time, her daughter, like Rachel was super weirded out that this boy yeah. was talking to Callie at the funeral. And it's like, yeah. Lady, you're not involved in your mom's life. Like maybe this right. person meant something to your mom. Exactly. Not only that, it's, I think what kind of rubbed her the wrong way is how weird and awkward Michael slash Luke like made an exit as soon as they made eye contact. Like it made it seem sketchy, you know, if he had just made, Oh, Hey, hi, I'm from the neighborhood. I met Callie at, you know, the coffee shop. We're friends now or something. It would have been a lot less weird, but I mean, you see him run off like that and you're thinking, yo, what the fuck? Like, are you okay? Everything good? Yeah, it just sucks because, like, I've had this feeling of, like, God, like, her mom doesn't have to be so suspicious. Like, she's been in town for two days. Like, how much trouble could the, this girl have possibly gotten into in two days where she yeah. has this, like, guy coming? And it is that. That is what's happening is some of guy course. she met is coming to the funeral home. But, like, the way her mom was immediately, like, this has to be a bad thing was so strange. But yeah. Let's Play this scene 3134 to 3413. This is where we're going to find out who her daddy is. Cool. Your grandmother was very upset that I got pregnant. Because you and dad weren't married? Yes. There was more to it than that. He was married to someone else. What? I never told you who your father was. It was Garrett Wright. The man from the article. The one that got convicted of some crime? I was very young when I started working at his company as a secretary. One thing led to another. Mom hated him before I even started working there. She thought he was corrupt and involved in several different shady business deals which he was. But I thought I was in love. Did he know about me? No. I never told him. Why didn't you tell him? About the time I got pregnant, he was being investigated by the feds for a litany of things. I didn't want to get involved. He was married with three kids. He embezzled hundreds of thousands of dollars. I didn't want to get caught up in the scandal. I did what I thought was right. I moved us away so I could raise you on my own. Your grandmother never forgave me for it. I don't know why I didn't tell you sooner. I should have. 
So all this time, you told me my dad was a completely different person and that he died. Your father is dead. Garrett died in prison of cancer four years ago. So you took that from me too. So I could have met my dad, but you waited to tell me all of this until after he was dead? I was trying to protect you. He wasn't a good person, Callie. He used people. He was ruthless. <laughs> he, he didn't care who he hurt. I didn't want that to happen to you. He was still my dad! Please don't run off. Callie, Leave you need god this bitch dude yeah this bitch exactly he seems like a small time bernie madoff type at best yeah well and also exactly a small time bernie madoff it's not like he's like raping children or anything like he's if anything like you have to be kind of intelligent to do that so like regardless of like whether you're you know, you did that doesn't mean you're an awful person who doesn't deserve the right to know that you have a kid. I I understand that maybe there was like some, some confliction because of the fact that he did have a whole other family and stuff. But again, it's, it's a whole bunch of just packing context into this situation that that basically ends right here. This is pretty much the end of it. You know, like, like, you know what I mean? Like there's like a couple other minor references, but this is like, that's the climax of the whole grandma dad mystery right there. And we will see later on, like, you know, she, Callie leaves the house and when she comes back, her mom's going to hand her like a little, you know, folder full of stuff she has about him. And it does seem like this man was a good 30 years older than her. So it was like, he was like significantly older than her when he got her pregnant. And I can see there being like, obviously a lot of, mixed feelings about that like you know you're right especially yeah. years old you're seduced by your boss you get pregnant then he winds up in this whole thing like why would you ever give him access to your child and yeah, i'm sure yeah. it's, it's conflict of, yeah trudge through that on her own but yeah yeah but see here's what i noted about this too okay so this is obvious like kind of with the whole thing about, oh, you you think you're in love and you get taken advantage of. Like, it's kind of what seems like should be the theme going forward, you know, of the whole exactly. thing. But yeah. she doesn't, but it's not, you know, like there, there's no <laughs> point in the movie where she like thinks, oh my God, you know, I'm in the same situation as my mom, you know, never. This just went one ear and out the other with this bitch, uh, whatever, Callie or whatever. And it's just like, it's frustrating. And at the same time, it's like, if you were going to build on that, why even kind of, why was this necessary? You know, you don't mention, you don't mention your own dad. I'm talking about the mom. You don't mention your own dad, anything with him. Uh, Jordan and isn't Eric, the dad. Yeah. They don't, there's no mention of, you know, the mom there. Like, so why is it important that this, that this dad character was even a part of the story? If you're not going to, First of all, I think you should have put more focus on, you know, the, the, the problems with the grandma should have put more focus on stuff. It's just, it was just, it's, it's, it's like, I feel like the people who wrote this, there was 15 of them in a room, all of them shouting out ideas and getting participation trophies. Oh, that's a good, we're going to write that in bill. Hey, what do you, what do you got, Jeremy? Oh, we're writing that in too. Like it just, it's like a giant uh, gumbo of just a bunch of weird shit that doesn't connect. Yeah, and sadly, I I sincerely doubt that much effort was put into the script. I wish they got a group of people together. I will say that this, Christine Conrat, 
and Ken Sanders wrote this together. Christine has a really long history of writing with Lifetime. Like, unbelievable. Really? Like, probably, I mean, I'm looking at her IMDb, I would say at least 45 movies. Well, then in that case, don't you think she's probably a little bit more hands-off at this point and just kind of gets her name on there? Yeah, I think, you know what, honestly, I feel like her and Ken Sanders, they're a writing team and, you know, she'll do, you know, X scene and Y scene and then he'll come in and do like Z, you know, and so like yeah. none of it's like the draft isn't ever fully like fleshed out or like things just don't add up. It That's what yeah. it feels like to me is that like there's just little things that. I guess maybe when you read it on the paper, it's like, oh, yeah, this this flows. I feel like this hooks back into that and that can be, yeah. the, you know, intended theme. But I agree with you. I was waiting for that connection the entire movie for someone to be like, this is what happened. It's such like, a big deal, like a big, huge build up to that, you know? Yeah, and like a mom can't alienate her daughter who's in love. Or was right, exactly. Like that, you and know? then at the same time, the daughter, you know, kind of coming of age and realizing, oh, well, maybe this situation I'm getting myself into mirrors almost identically the situation that I mean, it both have to do with, you know, it's it's just like it's 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 just a lack of connection there that was a really bl- a big blow to the to the movie. I thought. I just have to say, though, in general with families, like not even just in this movie, but in general with family secrets, I feel like also just being on TikTok, I feel like I've heard ran across so many people that like I would never normally see in my lifetime. And their content is like family secret related. Yeah. So like it'll always be like, oh, this is something my parents never told me. And then I took a DNA test or like. You know, once my aunt died, we found out that this happened. And like, I feel like there's so many family secrets. And I understand that there's like a myriad of reasons why someone would let a secret happen. But especially with kids, like there's so many things where I'm like, this could have been so normalized for Callie at a young age. If she knew that her dad was like a good guy who did some bad things and he's a way for it. But the important thing is that like mom loves you. Like this is something that she could have been raised on very yeah. easily. And there's aspects of the darkness of it that could have come out when she was older. Exactly, but for the most yeah. part, like, you know, the best way to not protect a child is to keep a secret from it that from them that especially if they find out in their late teen years, it can just be such a disruption of their identity. To, right. you know, find out like, oh, you mean I was kidnapped when I was two and oh, no one yeah, wanted to tell exactly. me that? Like, you know what I mean? I totally agree on that. It kind of like kills me to see these stories unravel because I, I understand why people keep these secrets. But at the same time, I'm like, God, you know, if I could only like go back and shake them and tell them it's going to be so much worse if you don't just get it over with. Um But yeah, so Michael sneaks down from the attic because he's been watching all this. He, the yeah, watcher of course. Himself. Yeah. And so Rachel's on the phone, you know, talking to Marty, saying that Callie took off and she doesn't know if she should let her blow off some steam or go find her. She had to tell her the truth about Garrett. And Marty's probably like, Jesus Christ, Rachel, like we just buried mom like two hours ago. I know. We threw her ashes in the in the fucking plot like five minutes ago and you already deal with this shit. I know. I was kind of thinking to myself, like, shouldn't they at least like be drunk or something? Shouldn't they all have a buzz I know, on? Man. Just get like this? get wine wasted or something. This is such a wine mom, too. I feel like she should totally be like wine wasted. 
Yeah, be like, here, 18-year-old daughter, it's time to fucking cut loose. We're going to have a couple glasses of wine. I'm going to tell you about your I dad. I know, right? It's, it's, it's time. <laughs> so then uh, Callie talks to Michael at the coffee shop, and they're, like, having this, like, very, you know, for a small town, they're quite bold because they're sitting right at, like, the the counter at this diner having a really emotional conversation and i wouldn't say they're the most soft-spoken people so i'm like this poor guy that's like two seats over from them is hearing so much tea and because all these people seem to like be born here and die here like this guy's probably like holy shit what they don't like this guy probably knows more about this than either of them yeah Um, exactly but you know she um you know tells him you know she lied about her dad my whole life. And now I know he's a criminal and I'm questioning what that even means about me as a person. And Michael's like, listen, you know, I never knew my dad either. And Kelly's like, well, why doesn't that bother you? I mean, half of your DNA is that person. And Michael's like, no, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is. It does. She has a point where she like, you know, it is, it is frustrating. Like I, you know, don't know much about my dad and like, I could probably find out if I wanted to, but yeah, I, I do constantly ponder, like, is this part of me? Does that come from the, his side of the family? Like, yeah, or, exactly. You know, yeah. yeah, but I feel but, like, again, that's that's a big coming of age aspect of it. Because if she's already 19, 20, this is, this is kind of shit that maybe will stick with her, you know, for a long time. But that she should have already kind of contemplated and kind of gotten past. You know what I mean? I mean, if I was Michael, I'd be like, obviously, the bad person here is your mom. Right. <laughs> Duh. But see, that's the thing. When, 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 because it's a single mom and an only child, like they have nobody but each other. So you can't really, right. yeah, I, I understand that for sure. So Michael says that he learned a long time ago that blood relationships are superficial and real, real bonds form when you meet someone you want to spend time with, when you right. want to share the world with them. And I'm like, Michael, who have you met before this? right exactly yeah um and so they kiss it's all just very like it feels like manipulative to like get her into bed or something and so they kiss at this diner counter and she tells him that she's never met anyone like him before yeah classic then they walk up to the house together hand in hand and she thanks him for being there for her today and they kiss good night and you know of course she doesn't know that this man will also be going to to bed in that home tonight Oh, yeah. Which is just so creepy. It's very, very, very weird. But you know what's crazy is that I think that he has kind of a sense now, like, I, I could probably get away with this, <laughs> you know, even if she <laughs> caught me. Yeah. Like, this is, I, I, I'm good with this. This girl is insane. Because, I yeah. mean, it, it, he never strays <laughs> away from the fact, because what it seems like up to this point is that he's just manipulating the shit out of her. And yeah. it's just like, wow, like you're doing a really good job. Not saying that it's good or that you should be doing this, but man, you know, it's like you've done this a million times before when, you know, we don't know that, you know, we don't know that that's true at this point. I had a really hard time, even at the end of this movie, justifying that there might be some inherent goodness in this character. But because- see, that's exactly why it's such a bad movie, because it's like, what? Like, you can't build up this whole thing. And then just uh, oh say, ha ha, never mind. We were kidding about, you know, him being kind of sketchy or whatever. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, whatever. So then Rachel's really relieved when Callie gets in and she's like, listen, can we talk? And Callie's like, no, I'm over nope, it. No way. Yeah, no way and we can talk. he hands her a folder with all of this information that she has about her dad. Um, and even some notes that they have from when they first started dating. And I'm like, that's a lot. Like, 
that's a lot to go from telling her that like you know who her father is and this is who he is to like actually I have notes from when we first started dating yeah, as well as exactly. Exactly. And why is and, and that yeah, at your mom's yeah. house? Also, you just she didn't seem that? like when she gave her that when she gave her that envelope at that very first point, she's like, "Yeah, here's all the stuff." And I looked at the little folder, and man, it was so paper thin. I was like, "Dang, you really didn't keep a lot of memories from that period of your life, did you?" It almost made me wonder, like, does she drive around with that in her car? I or know, is because she had to have brought that? that. Yeah, like she had to have kept that, like she had to have said she had to foreshadowed. Okay, I'm definitely going to tell my daughter. I guess somehow. And I guess, uh, you know, it, it, it again, uh, just another bad writing thing because she knew she would probably have to say something about the grandma or or whatever, but she had no idea that she was going to find that uh, article in her shirt, which I guess she, you notice that she had a double copy of that article. She had like two of the I, newspaper articles. Yes. It was the same article. It's funny. Um, so then Callie goes into her room and she's like looking through this stuff and she sees a picture of her mom and her dad. And again, her dad is so much older than the mom. Exactly. Um, Like probably 30, 25, 30 years older. I wish it's something that I wish that she had almost said to Callie, which is like one thing you don't understand is I was like really young and they could have played that into the whole relationship with, you know, her and Michael, whatever too, you know, like. That there was, you know, she's just a young girl being kind of manipulated a little bit. That would have made sense and drove the story further, you know? Yeah, people aren't always what they tell you they are. Or like sometimes the person you fall in love with is more complicated than you would ever imagine. There's so many things here. So... Um, the next day, Marty and Rachel are talking to their, uh, taking their grandmother's car to a dealership that may want to buy it. And this is right. my other weird money thing. So what they have is they have a 73 Lincoln, yeah, which is like Lincoln Continental looking thing. It's a beautiful car. It's definitely like not a classic, classic car, no, but it, yeah. it's a really interesting vehicle. Right. And at the same time, you know, this is a car that probably has a shit ton of mileage on it. Oh, yeah, terrible. I, I Honestly, I've seen cars for like, man, growing up in Texas, you see one on every residential block, like with a sign on it says for sale, like 1500 bucks or something, because they have like 500,000 miles on them, you know, and the parts are yeah. harder to find. Yeah. And so Marty and Rachel are going to take this car to this dealership that may want to buy it. So they're driving this car up there. Um, and Callie's like had no idea at all that grandma had a car. And right. Callie decides to not come because it's rainy and cold there. So she's going to stay there and box up what she calls crap. Yeah. Which I was like, that's an interesting. That's a child word. Yeah, I'm going to box up this crap. So I know. Callie is looking through these dolls and she finds one for someone named Edna Mosley. Which, and, yeah, again, I, big red herring. Right. Who the fuck is Edna yeah. Mosley? <laughs> like, I, I thought, oh, wow, Edna must be, you know, somebody. I don't know. No, nobody. Fucking nobody. But yeah, she does find an Edna Mosley doll. The only thing that I thought was interesting about the sort of name tag thing is that she, grandma did, for someone who had no friends, seemed to leave a little something for everyone. Yeah. Even her, yeah. Even her granddaughter that she had no relationship with. And she wanted nothing to do with, you know? So like, then. Yeah. You know what I want to comment on real quick is that if she wanted nothing to do with her, but she was still putting things on the bottoms, like saying like, oh, here, I'll leave this for her. Wouldn't you like realize that your life is coming to an end? And if you have like enough compassion to want to leave something for her to at least like want to meet her before you die. 
Yeah, that it is really weird. I have you ever yeah. gotten something from someone that passed away and you didn't know that they ever like thought much of you? Yeah, no, never. That's very rare. I feel like in even most situations. I feel like I've gotten things through the years where it's like one of my grandmother's friends who I didn't like really who I loved growing up just because it was like a friend of my grandma and I was a kid and I didn't know anything. Yeah. Like occasionally it would be like, Oh, like, you know, so-and-so left you this, this crystal cup. And right. I was like, me, you know what I mean? And then you sort of also realize older people have so few like living relationships. Exactly. That yeah. Especially because the grandma the was like kids. really old apparently. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, she, grandma was very, very sick at the end of her life. Like we yeah. cardiac stuff or whatever. Yeah, she was not doing well. So then that evening, um, Callie hears water dripping inside the house and she goes to investigate it. And like, oh, God, can you imagine just? Yeah. It, water? Uh, yeah. Like, well, oh. especially because, yeah, it's raining and stuff or whatever. But, and and it's it's just it's a perfect setup too because this rain's coming right from the vent where the attic is the same vent that guy looks at and immediately you're like oh crap something's about to happen you know so she decides to give her mom a call she's on the road and mom's gonna give us a little intel about how crappy this car is uh, yeah. 428 to 4109 okay. hi honey there's water leaking from the ceiling in the hallway. I think it's coming from the vent. Great. Yeah, I wiped it up as best as I could. I put a random bucket underneath it. I don't know what else you want me to do. Take a look up in the attic. See Water's also leaking up there. I don't want Marty to have to replace the ceiling before he sells it. Well, aren't you gonna be home soon? Not likely. I can barely get this car to do the speed limit. Just clean it up, okay? Okay, can, I, can you bring back a pizza for lunch? deal thank you so again just fucking weird like this yeah. family's so weird with money like yeah, i don't want Marty to have to replace the roof yeah we're driving this car that barely works to go to a dealership where someone might want to buy it right like yeah ex exactly and also i mean first of all if i had put a bucket there and clean up the water i would say fuck it and wait till my mom got home and be like look this is happening <laughs> this is what i did um second of all I thought it was weird, and it made me realize this, because, yeah, when she ordered the pizza and made that really 12-year-old, thank you, which was just weird as shit. Um, yeah. Uh, she, she, you know, was seemed to be, like, the type of girl that was obsessed, like you said, with organic stuff in the beginning, but orders a pizza. I feel like that organic line was just so stupid and unnecessary. Yeah, I don't know. It's like they're trying to, like, account for the vegetables at the beginning, which are telling I, I their own guess. story. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it, it was just weird. Too many ideas, man. Too many themes here. And, you know, I know that, like, you know, of course, like, you know, my mom and I would argue, you know, like, you know, she would be mad at me. We never really argued. But, like, when she was mad at me, like, I knew she was mad at me. I was never, like, petulant back. But yeah. I will say that, like... I don't think that I would ever be in like a fight with my mom where she had just told me, you know, all of this stuff that really like affected her the night before. Yeah. And then exactly. the she wakes up and she goes down. She's like, nice to uncle Marty. She offers yeah. to stay back. She's actually like doing stuff. She's not being yeah. like a little piece of shit and just watching TV or playing yeah, on her phone I, or something. I, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I agree. 
And then she's like, hey, mom, can you get me a pizza? Like I when I was that age, I would have walked into town, gotten my own food. Right. Like, I yeah, because, yeah. The, mm, don't you want to go see what's his face? Uh, the guy, Michael Luke or whatever. Don't you want to like run into him at the coffee shop, get a cinnamon roll? Maybe she didn't well, have money. Run into him unexpected because she climbs up to the attic and Michael like is up there when he's there. So she yeah. he like runs and hides behind this dresser and she starts to see oh what are what's this stuff up here and she yeah. spots the right. sketchbook and so she knows right when she clocks that let's play this scene 4224 to 4303 this is where she's gonna find out oh my god please don't be scared what are you doing stop up here? Rip, i'm not gonna hurt what you what are you doing are you living here temporarily i needed a place to stay this whole time? Since before you got here. Oh my god. Just get away from me! Please. Just let me explain. What are you spying on us? Were you creeping in our rooms and stuff? No, no, nothing like that, okay? Please just let me explain. I knew your grandmother. And she let you live up in the attic? No, okay, she didn't know that was in the attic. But if you just calm down, I will tell you the whole story. This episode is sponsored by Book of the Month. I've been subscribed to Book of the Month for three months now, and I'm obsessed. If you're a big reader or maybe even a lapsed big reader who's been wanting to get back into it regularly, consider checking it out. Book of the Month, they read like hundreds of books every month from new and emerging authors, and they whittled on the list to just the very best. They provide you a diverse little selection of hardcover fiction to pick from, which is an element of it that I really love. I can find going into the bookstore to be super overwhelming, and when I know I have about a dozen really solid options to choose from, it makes the decision way easier. Plus, it's cheaper than other options, shipping is always free, and there's a loyalty program with rewards and even lower prices if you choose to stick around. There's an app where you can pick your upcoming books and track the progress of your reading, and there are challenges on there with rewards. Your book arrives in a super aesthetically pleasing box, by the way. That's the kind of touch that I always really appreciate. Personally, I read at my own pace. Sometimes I can only get to one of my two books a month, and I keep the ones I haven't read yet on my windowsill right next to my bed so I can just see them all there. It inspires me to pick one up and read. It's nice to have options in front of you. If you're interested in trying it out, you can get your first book for $5 with code pastel at bookofthemonth.com. That's code pastel at bookofthemonth.com. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N.
Okay. All right. Lots to unpack here. This scene is crazy for so many reasons, but one thing that kept sticking with me is that, like, Michael is attractive, right? Like, he has, like, crazy eyes. But at the same time, this scene is such an undoing of everything positive that she knows about him. Oh, my God. Yeah. If you've ever had that moment with someone where, like, you're really initially, like, attracted to them, but, like, their backstory is, like, a little fishy to you... But then all of a sudden, like, there's this revelation. Yeah. In real life, that person in that moment becomes so ugly to you. Yeah. Like, everything about their being is so physically, like, disgusting and just, like, you're physically repulsed by them. And I, it's weird because, like, as an audience member, I started to feel like I was looking for imperfections in his face and, like, trying to, like, like change the way I looked at this character because that's how I would feel if I was Callie. I'd be like, who is this monster? Any sane person in the world, like I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Molly, listen to me. You could put the most beautiful woman in the face of the world. Everything so far has been angelic rainbows and butterflies. All right. If she was in my fucking attic, all right. I, it, dog. I would probably kill her on site just out of self-defense because this is crazy. It's scary. She was so collected. And even in her, you know, initial like, oh, my God, like she was just way too collected and calm with it. I, I can't believe it. It made no sense to me, man. But I will say this about Michael. He's just a charmer. That's it. You know, he just yeah. knows how to man like because this is around the time where I was like, hmm, I, you know, I've, I've been really against Michael pretty much this whole movie because it's creepy as shit that he's living in the attic in the first place. But this is when the point in the movie, maybe the only good quality of the movie, because you start, you start questioning, hmm, it makes you wonder, like, is this guy really fucked up? You know, obviously he is, but is, it, is, it, is he as bad as, you know, we initially thought that he was going to be? Like, who do you believe at this point? Because that sheriff who's, that sheriff is an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> the sheriff was like nicer and you're like, oh man, yeah, sorry, sis. And makes me really sad that your brother died or something, you know? But no, this guy's like, I'm gonna kill him, I'm get him by his neck and ring him like a chicken, like crazy shit. And so you're it's like, so, oh Yeah, it's difficult to rewatch this movie with without jaded eyes because you know, the like the first time you see it, you're like, Oh my god, like, you know, maybe the sheriff is right. Michael yeah. seems like he's really devious. Um, and you're waiting for him to flip the whole time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, it, I, dude, and I, honestly, I stayed waiting, you know, it's cause it's, it's, it's very, you are, he's like the last person in the world you can trust. And that's just a fact, you know? Yeah. So then Michael, like, you know, we come back from like a little commercial break and Michael's explaining to Callie that, um, you know, grandma had hired him to work for her three or four times. And they met because after he left his mom's house, he was drifting around and he was doing odd jobs. And he spotted this, you know, older woman at the grocery store and he offered to help her. So we flash back to see the scene where they met and grandma's being like, you know, all stubborn about carrying her bundles to the car by herself yeah that's all very relatable like i think we've all seen that old person that like doesn't want to give up their dignity exactly yeah yeah it's like a dignity issue and michael tells her you know it's i'm gonna it's okay to need help and so she reluctantly allows him to you know help her out put the stuff in the car and she goes to offer him you know a couple dollars out of her purse and he says i didn't 
you know, offer to help you for the money. But if you ever need any help lifting things, hauling things, repairs, I would love for you to keep me in mind. And, you know, she does, she does take his number. Like grandma's a little bit like, I knew, I knew secretly you wanted me to like give you money. Maybe not now, but later, but they wind up, you know, having a little, nice relationship where he would come yeah. over like fix her dvd player a couple exactly. other things a charm she would yeah she would always pay in cash and cook him a meal usually ravioli um but he'd leave whenever she, he was done yeah. and then worked right up for a bit and he wandered around for a couple years and then he yeah, came exactly. back and he exactly, slept in this yeah. greenhouse, the greenhouse that they've gone on their little dates on for four or five nights. And then he got really, he got really sick because of the cold. Yeah. So he remembered the old house and the old attic and knew that grandma couldn't get up there because he had helped her bring some stuff up there in the past. And he waited until she left one day and then he snuck in and started living there. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, it, and it's all starting to, but see, listen, here's the problem that I had, like with this, this whole sequence is that. I'm still thinking, I'm thinking this guy is full of shit, you know? So it's just, it's, yeah. it's, it's, where do you like, where do you, how, how do you know if you believe this person, you know, like what's the confirmation? And I felt like we never really got any confirmation. It's just kind of just, it kind of just all fell into place together. But at the same time, it's like, Michael, why would you go through all this trouble? I feel like there's easier solutions to this. You know what I mean? I feel like, right. yeah, and, and we'll find out as the story goes on, there definitely were easier solutions that this guy was just way too immature to kind of seek. I mean, yeah, he definitely wasn't planning on becoming homeless at 17, which no I mean, way, I think yeah. is, you know, I think that's, I think that's re like relatable. Like, I think a lot of us probably wouldn't know what to do. And course, I will say yeah. that the way he handled the grandma on the flashback, which of course is just his telling of things. Yeah. Um, was you know it sounded like it was like proper and endearing or whatever but if i'm callie i would be thinking to myself god you know i've heard so many different versions of who my grandma was in the last <laughs> couple of days yeah. and i don't know who yeah. the fuck she is like to this guy that i'm i'm i guess i'm seeing unofficially i mean she was like this sweet older lady that you know, gave him opportunities and they had a nice, like, you know, little bonding exactly. relationship. Yeah. Wouldn't you want to make that kind of known though while it was happening? I would, you know what I mean? Like I would, I would straight up, um, in the whole situation, dude, I would have, I would have made it. Hey, yeah, I do handiwork for her just so you kind of get a familiarity around the neighborhood, you know? But I think he is nervous because someone made the call to 911 yeah, and said that she died, and then no one was there when they got there. So maybe he does have tucked in the back of my brain. I can't say that I have any relationship to this woman because I don't want to potentially yeah. open myself up to that. That makes total but sense, actually. Yeah. At the same time, it's like it's difficult to you know the mom's like uh, Rachel's eulogy is very you know cool Vain, and yeah. makes it sound like it would be impossible because in the one scene that they show of Michael fixing the little jewelry box that's next to the grandma's bed, yeah. um, grandma's like standing back and she's like smiling peacefully. Yeah, she's like exactly. admiring him. Right. Like, so, so it's, it's just like a misrepresentation she's, of who that lady is. Maybe she's capable of being loving. And for some reason, Michael was one of the last people to see that from her. Exactly. And yeah. That makes sense. I, 
do believe that they had like I I believe that she was a better lady than she comes across because she does leave a little something for him. Um, oh, of course, yeah. And it's nicer than what things, she left yeah. for Callie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So let's play this scene. Um. Where Callie asks if he was there when she died. Forty five fifteen to forty seven thirty nine. Let's do it. A few days after I moved in, Marty brought her back from the hospital. Are you sure you don't want me to take you to urgent care? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm fine. Feeling better than I have in a long time. Okay. <clears throat> the night she died, I was in the attic. I heard a loud crash. Yeah, I'm at my neighbor's house and she just fell unconscious. Um, her name is Evelyn. She's about 70 years old. What's the address? Uh, 1624 Woodview Lane. She just got out of the hospital. I don't think she's breathing. Could you hurry up, please? I'm dispatching an ambulance now. What is your name? Sir? Are you still there? Sir? I was scared. That's why I left before the paramedics showed up. And I went and hid in the greenhouse. I'm sorry. I should have left once you got here, but I didn't have anywhere to go. And, um, I don't know. I, I liked you. This allowed me to get to know you. Listen, I'm going to leave now, and you're never going to have to see me again. I only ask that you don't call the police. I already have an assault charge because of my stepdad. I... This would make things really bad for me. I won't call the police. Okay. Um... Yeah, that scene was tough to watch. I think, like, in in some ways, it's so great that he was there for her. But, like, if I if I was dying and then all of a sudden my Orkin man that comes and does, you know, preventative spraying for mosquitoes around my house popped out of nowhere and Kyle called 911 when I died, I would yeah. pass away. Yeah, yeah for sure. But that see, I, I'm saying nail. my whole point was that, like, yo, like, if... If he had kind of, you know, offered maybe services to the neighbors and say, hey, I do work for her, then him, you know, giving his name, whether it be fake or not, you know, like it would have and he stayed there, it would have made him seem like less, I guess, of a weirdo. I, just in my opinion, obviously, I don't know the whole situation. I wasn't there. No, I know. I think that, yes, I agree that ingratiating himself, like, you know, and integrating himself into this community would have been a move in a lot of ways. I do feel like he is a, still 19 years old and has spent most of his young adult life being really misunderstood. And so in a weird way, I'm kind of like, yo, like maybe he just 
maybe he was just afraid because he had this warrant out for yeah, exactly. from his stepdad. Like he's, he's a still so- state, isn't it? Didn't he do that in Oregon? I think that he fought with his dad locally, and, oh, okay. and then yeah, that makes sense. And so he had this warrant out in Washington, or I'm not really sure what the Something, order yeah, of everything much, was. And yeah, it's, it's too confusing, yeah. And I mean, this kid probably doesn't have like the education. I mean, even I, like, I mean, I don't have a, a full understanding of the law. Like, I've yeah, I, I have weird, deep seated fear, even though I've never been in trouble, that I have warrants somewhere. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've always thought, yeah. like, oh, you never want to talk to a cop because, like, what if my insurance is expired on this thing or whatever? Right. Yeah, I didn't think about that. that. I yeah. Could be, opening up yeah. my a whole world of legal issues. So totally. Rachel's home now and she's telling Callie that the guy who was going to buy the car was lowballing them. And Marty thinks they can get more elsewhere. So again, yeah. this is my whole thing with weird with money because it's like, how much money do you want to get for this car? First of all, second of all, right. you drove it all the way up there. This thing, as you said, barely has trouble, like hitting the speed, like the speed minimum. And you know, it's like it's like when you go to like one of those everything must go yard sales and there's something that costs like thirty dollars and you offer twenty and they're like, No, we couldn't possibly do this for twenty. I'm like, is it everything must go? No, forget or not? it. Forget like, it, man. I'm like, this is a fucking Polaroid camera and it's like an old broken Polaroid camera and I wanna buy it, maybe fi- like refurbish it, right? Forget so it, I yeah, bet- exactly. This fucking family of 15 people around me telling me that they won't sell this, like, you know, thing that they have marked up at $50. They won't sell it to me for 35 Like, are the, you fucking kidding me? Oh, that happens me all the time. I see, I see those shows, like those flea market flip shows or whatever. And, like, they'll be like, oh, yeah, can I, you know, can I get it? It's like, it's like some stupid little table that's like, like a little coffee table. You can't even fit your laptop on it. And they'll be like, oh, we're asking two seventy five. And the guy's like, okay, well, can you do like 250? And I'm like, oh, I can't do 250. They're like, what? Like, right. for this piece of wood? It's crazy, man. I don't understand. Like, it. this piece of wood that obviously, like, you are not going to make, you don't care enough about it to make a space for it wherever you're going. I'm telling you. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, with the car, it's like, dude, that is like, you have, I mean, it's not that great of a classic car. It's like, not, it's, it's really, like, it's like an 85 Camaro. Yeah. And you really <laughs> like, you should be, you should be happy if someone's offering you, she's like Anything, less than blue yeah. book value. Yeah, I'm like, man, girl, I'm put like, that thing on let go for less than blue book value. That's crazy. They even have blue book value for a 73 Lincoln. Right, which I'm sure has like insane mileage on it. Even insane, if she didn't drive yeah. a lot, that's a thirty year that's a thirty year old car. Oh, for exactly, yeah. And probably costs a fortune to run it. So anyway, Rachel, um, you know, she's telling her that. And then Rachel realizes that Callie's kind of spaced out and she tells her that she found this doll upstairs for someone named Edna Moser. Yeah. Um, again, yeah. And that's it's sort of a non-starter because then Rachel's like, well, you know, I found this that your grandmother left for you. And I'm like, Rachel, why have you been sitting on this music box for two days? That, that's uh, exactly what I was saying in the beginning. It's like, what, like, is there something, is it like magical? Does it have like a secret message in it or something? But no, it's just a music box. And I wish that like, you know, when all of the sort of like growing pains of the first two days being there had, were going on, that her mom was like, you know what, like your grandmother you know, wasn't the best person all the time. Right. But she left, you know, she did leave this for you. Like, obviously exactly. she did love you. Yeah. That right. 
that would have like it would have been sentimental and nice and whatever yeah exactly so um kelly looks at the drawing that michael did for her of her rather and um we then cut to him asleep um, on a bench outside having a nightmare about the night of Eddie's murder. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, the way that it seems like he died, Eddie, it seemed like a freak accident a little bit. Um, oh, like, yeah, for sure. Definitely. It was not an intended murder. Exactly. So, Callie wakes him up from his nightmare and tells him to come back. It's, you know, it's freezing out there. So Which they is, eat- first of all, weird as shit. Like you're, you finally got this guy out of there and you're like, seeking him out and like hey come back and live in my fucking attic it's the weirdest thing i've ever it, it's so weird it's something about that music box man it, it made I her guess. go find some forgiveness so yeah, I, I don't know she the two of them eat pizza in the attic and it feels very like i don't know there's something very like jack and rose about it to me where it's like you found this like peasant boy and you exactly, guys are now yeah. in the attic of your grandmother's house or her mansion where he was happily like hiding away anyway and you're eating this like leftover pizza that looks like it has spinach on it or something yeah i know yeah exactly yeah just weird pizza it looked like bell it almost looked like a prop it probably was but like it it just looked like the most basic like mix of pizza ingredients on top of it it looked like a DiGiorno straight up so then probably yeah exactly so they're eating this pizza, and if I was him, I would be like, listen, I know you're being nice to me because you're going through a hard time. Because right. let's call it what it is, okay? This is not a love that was meant to withstand a lifetime. No, never. And he knows that, too. He should know that. And if yeah. she doesn't know that, he should tell her. Because it seems like she doesn't even know, which yeah. is fair. She Callie exactly. doesn't know a lot about her own life, but no, yeah, that's why, yeah, she's she's definitely younger than him, or at least experienced in life. So they're, um, you know, they're sitting there all cuddled up, and he's saying that, she, you know, she's saying that she's really glad she changed, you know, her mind about all of this, and he asks her if she's sure about this, if she if she's really mad, and she yeah. says that she was a little bit mad, but she wanted him to be honest with her, and like the they're being like very right there. They're being very flirty about it. She's like, mm, I don't know. I was a little mad, but yeah. it's so gross. You know so what? You she- know what that is? That's that's having no responsibilities in life and no understanding of like things can hurt you. Because like at her age, she just still depends so much on her mom. But man, because I, I can relate so much to when I was that age. Like nobody ever stayed in my attic and did anything stupid. But people could do crazy things, and I would never recognize really how bad they were for me. Because I, I wasn't at the point in life where I was, you know, used to making my own decisions and seeing the, you know, the consequences of my decisions. So that, that it's just a very immature, like, mindset. Like, I was a little mad that you lied to me about staying in my attic and, you know, seduced me and shit and made me fall in love with you so that I would be less freaked out when you fucking lived in my attic. But, you know, I'm okay now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's like not to like totally like, you know, call all people of this age range like a yeah. little emotionally demented, but it is a little bit like they're just she so, seems to be so happy that she found someone that understands her. Yeah, and, yeah but by understand, like, it's just flirts correctly, basically. Flirts correctly, exactly. Yeah. So she tells him that she's sorry that she made him go out in the freezing cold and that her mom can't know about this no matter what. And he's yeah. like, well, I'm not going to tell her. So yeah. 
And I'm like, see, Callie, that's like the that's the thing with him is that he knows not your mom can't know about this. Yeah, like, exactly. He's just manipulating you left and right, no matter how charming and, you know, nice he is about it, whether he's a terrible person or a good person. He's still taking advantage of you, man. Like if he really cared so much, he could easily, very, very easily just get some extra blankets and chill out in the greenhouse, you know? There's also so many lies that he could tell based off of how little this family seems to know each other to like have smoothed this over. Like he could have been like, yeah, I was helping your mom out a lot. And sometimes I would crash here. And you know what I mean? But yes, I think he doesn't want to tie again. I don't think he wants to tie himself to the 911 call, but I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Rachel and Callie continue going through this stuff. And Rachel says that she found the number for Edna Mosley and she wants to know what the um, name on the binocular set was. So there's yeah. this like little like thing with binoculars in it. And it's like a nice leather case. Again, it looks significantly nicer than the um, music box that was left for Callie. Yeah. And so Callie picks it up and she's like, Oh, Michael Collins. So then Rachel gives Michael Collins a Google and she gasped because this is the boy that she was talking to at the funeral home. Yeah, and exactly. She reads the headline and it says, um, and she's like, well, Callie's like, well, was he related to grandma? Like, what's the deal? And Rachel reads uh, the article headline out loud. And she says, Michael Collins, 19, is wanted in the murder of a Coburg, Oregon farmer, Ed Brinson, who was bludgeoned to death in his home in Otto County. Yeah. And yeah, you, let me just say it real quick, too. I thought it was weird as shit that she gave, she left the binoculars for him. Cause I mean, like that seems like something you would maybe give to your, I don't know, your fucking son or something, but like, Hey, maybe this kid who fixed my fucking DVD player would like these pair of vintage binoculars. It just seems like it's a very intimate, like almost like a, almost like a deeper, you know, intelligent relationship they had together where they shared conversations. Cause I mean, like I've never thought to myself, Hey, when I'm old, maybe I'll leave some fucking shit to my fucking handyman. You know, <laughs> right. which I thought was weird, but, uh, but yeah, he, he is, he's wanted, um, she doesn't see the connection yet. Cause his name is fake. And I'm surprised we didn't see immediately a shot of him being like, <gasps> you know, we kind of did a little bit like a couple seconds later, but I would have freaked out at that point. If I heard my real name, I would have left the binoculars to Jordan. Jordan, <laughs> the neighbor, dude. I yeah, I would have been like, that's yeah. like something that like an older person would leave like a young boy. Yeah, he comes through my back door sometimes. Yeah, let me let me uh, get him, leave him these binoculars. So, um, you know, at this point, Rachel calls the police to report the sighting of sighting of him. Just as Michael heads downstairs to confront them about this, Rachel turns to see him, and she's like, "Oh my God, he's here." So he makes a run for it. And then yeah. the sheriff, the sheriff all the way up from Oregon arrives at their house. Yeah, 200 miles away it comes. So um, I'm going to play this clip 5312 to 5619. Did either of you talk to this guy? No, just briefly at the funeral. Apparently our mother knew him in some capacity. What did he say to you? Nothing much. Kelly... I don't want to scare you, but you need to be aware of just how dangerous this boy is. That's what he's capable of. This young man, Ed Brinson, was a real good person. 
He was my nephew, and I knew him well. So generous, he'd give you the shirt off his back. You know what Michael Collins did to him? Broke into his house and beat him to death. For what? For $800. That's how much he stole, and that's how little Michael Collins values human life. So if you know something about where this boy is, you need to tell me. He could have easily done the same thing to you or to your mother here. Honey, if you know something, you tell him. He's been living in the attic. doing that until today but he said that he was doing some odd jobs for grandma and that he was the one who called the ambulance for her she didn't know he was living here when she had her heart attack somebody called the paramedics from the house phone but they disappeared before they showed up and it turns out it was him I didn't know about the murder of this farmer, I swear. Did he tell you where he was headed? Any future plans? People he thought might hide him? He said he wanted to go to Italy, but that he didn't have enough money. He's never going to see Italy. If he contacts you, or if you see or hear from him, you call me immediately. Y'all real lucky. Just take it, in case he comes back or something. Fine. Thank you. And call me if you change your mind about staying at our place. That kid could not be any further away from here. We'll be fine. I think we'll spend tomorrow cleaning and, and take off the following morning. Okay. I, I'm really sorry. I wanted to get more accomplished around no, no, here. No, no, sis. Hey, I understand. I'm just glad you two all right. So much to unpack there. Oh, my God. Yeah, for sure. So this sheriff, who's completely out of his jurisdiction, for some yeah. reason, drives down. I mean, maybe she just dialed the number that was on, like, the yeah, website. she said she called the local, the, the PD of that area, which, I, that's stupid. I would call 911, you know? Oh, for sure. For sure. But I mean, like, I'm wondering if she because to even get the Oregon sheriff's phone number, she would yeah. have to like for 200 miles away. I'm assuming she just responded like to the number on the website that was yeah. saying like this man is wanted, which mm-hmm. like good for their, you know, SEO, the search engine optimization over at the police station. Exactly, that's yeah. the number one hit for Michael. But okay, so this guy drives down 200 miles to come to the house, and the way he's talking to Callie, like, first of all, like, really, like, kind of confronting her and being like, "You can't hide secrets from me." He then yeah. pulls out a photo of his dead nephew, that which, like, by the way, don't even look like police photos. They look no, like they're, pho- they're cell phone photos, man. Yeah, and I'm like, this. If this girl is a minor, like, wouldn't you want to ask her mom if yeah. she can? Yeah, exactly. Also, I feel like when he was like, 
oh yeah, you think you know he's not dangerous? Well, this is what he's capable of, and it's just you know obviously like a hit to the head, but it didn't look like you know it wasn't like that he mutilated his corpse or anything like made you want to <laughs> right. throw up at the sight of. It was just like oh he got hit in the head. You know, yeah, like he's capable of hitting someone in the head. Like people bang their head on their own counter and do worse, but oh, worse, yeah. Um. Like, you know, the other element of it where it's like he's, you know, being really threatening to her. And I'm sort mm-hmm. of like, this is not her responsibility. Like, exactly, she never even yeah. met her grandma. Yeah. So, like, I would say almost it's more on Marty for not oh, knowing what's yeah. going on at his mom's house. Like, you got, you never go up to the attic and make sure everything's okay up there. Yeah. Well, and also, you know what is weird to me? And I never, I never thought of it until just now is that why would she have, why would she pay this kid to do things? When she could just call her son and be like, hey, can you get this fucking bike down from the attic or something? Why don't she call up this random kid she met in the parking lot of a grocery store and be like, hey, want to come inside my house and fucking, you know, take care of my shit for me? Well, because I think that like Marty, you know, I mean, Marty like looked very like he very much looked down on the neighbors, Jordan and Ed or whatever the dad's name was. He sort of looked down on them, and I sort of feel like Marty's not one to sort of busy himself with like fixing mom's DVD player, but he will drive her Lincoln. Like, oh yeah, he'll drive her Lincoln and away. drive it back when they don't give him the blue book price. So then, um, you know, he gives Rachel a gun to just yeah. hang on to, which is like just bad gun ownership one hundred and one. Oh yeah. Like, it is. This isn't like it's so hard to watch movies like this and not think of a real like life? movies in general. No, it's yeah. it's so difficult to not think of Corona. And oh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like in the context yeah. of this, I'm like, oh, well, if they really are stuck there, I guess there's worse things than giving her like a loaded firearm that doesn't belong to her. But yeah. I'm like, why don't they go to a fucking hotel? Well, like, you know, what's crazy is that I thought the same thing because he even offered, hey, why don't you come to my fucking house? Which I guess his wife's kids are out of there. Isn't that the whole reason they couldn't stay there in the first place? Which I guess is out yeah. the window now. But she's like, no, he couldn't be more far away by now, which is the fucking worst mentality in the world <laughs> to have. This logic. That's textbook. Men, like, like, they'll come back and kill you. Yeah, and it is a little bit like, oh, well, now do we see how much keeping secrets hurts, Rachel? Right, like, exactly. Because Callie, Callie, as far as you know, hid something from you for six hours. And right. Oh, my God, exactly. Yeah, th- that's the only tie-in to, like, a theme that I noticed. Yeah, like, let's let's uh, let's consider moving forward the danger of keeping secrets, Rachel. So right. the next day, they continue to pack up this stuff, and Rachel says she's going to bring some of the stuff to Marty and Lindsay and a few other people. So... She's like, you know, going to go around town and do some rounds and Callie opts to stay home and keep packing. So Callie pulls a dress that was hanging out the side of a mirror in the room. She's staying in and she sees Michael's reflection and she's scary because she's like, nope, you're a liar. You you you're a stealer. You murdered someone. And he calls her. He's like, I didn't do that stuff. I need your help. But he's like chasing her through the house, which is fucking hostile as shit. And also, I just want to fucking point out how ridiculous it was for the mom to leave her alone at that fucking house after what they just experienced. I know. I like, know, how dude. irresponsible. You don't learn anything. Like, I know. Oh, hey, you want to come with me? <laughs> and yeah, like as if like the last time you left your daughter at home 24 hours ago, she wasn't harboring a murderer I in the fucking so, attic, no, right? Fucking terrible, so, yeah. 
he calls to her that, you know, he's like, I didn't do that stuff. She's like locked into her grandma's room now. And he's like, I swear I didn't murder that, uh, that man. He told her that there's a sheriff in Oregon out to get him. That's the guy. Yeah. That's the guy I was talking about. Right, and she's exactly. like, stay away or I'll call the police. And this is when she gets the gun, the gun out yeah. of her grandma's dresser. Yeah. And he's like, listen, I did kill someone, but it was in self-defense. Yeah. And Kelly's not falling for it. She already, you know, she's got this gun out. Wow, and not so falling we- for it yet. Yeah, so he pushed us forward with his stories. He said he went to take in some to get some money that this man Eddie owed him. Yeah. And if he was willing to kill someone for money, he would have killed her grandma. And he's like, Look yeah. in your dresser. There's Good a black point. box. Yeah, he's like, There's a black box right there with a diamond ring in it. I could have pawned yeah. that thing for a lot of money, but I didn't. Yeah. And that's where I almost was like, I don't know if I buy that, because that actually freaks me out that you even thought about that. Exactly. Man, see, this whole time I'm still thinking like this guy's sketchy as shit. Like nothing has ever led me to believe that he's not sketchy. The fact that man, like, like if you if you were like sane, the mom would be right. You would get the fuck out of there and never come back. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you would like, I don't know, for me, I always think it's interesting when people clock other people's belongings and put a price on it. Oh, that's, that's always weird. weird. I don't think I've ever done that in my life. That's probably, that's probably, I haven't like realized how weird that was. It's like, I just, I felt like, oh, he's right, I guess. But yeah, the fact that he even took that into consideration, like, hmm, let's look at this diamond ring right here in a drawer too. Yeah. Well, no, it's like out in a, in a crystal cabinet. Yeah. But like, the thing is, is like, also, there's so many reasons why one wouldn't pawn a diamond ring if they didn't want to have it traced back to them. Like, in particular, that's probably one of the worst things to pawn oh, if yeah. you don't want an extremely high chance of that coming back, right? Exactly, so yeah. I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm not convinced, Michael. So Michael tells him a little bit of the story. She tells him, like, basically, he tells her the story of what happened with Eddie. And he yeah. says that he went up to Oregon. And he got hired by Eddie to do some work for him. Um, and so we see the moment where Eddie and him have this handshake agreement that he's going to give him $100 a day until the job he had to do was done. Right. And so then he says, I finished two weeks later and Eddie owed me 800 bucks. So when Which I went to collect. weird, first of all, 14 days in two weeks, right? Just make yeah, sure. I mean, I'm guessing he maybe took weekends off. I don't know. I, I maybe, no but still. And I, I would have had him pay me by the day, man. Forget it. A hundred bucks a day for a job that can be finished anytime is like already, you know, that you're probably going to get ripped off. Oh, yeah. So Eddie owed him uh, 800 bucks. And when he went to collect, Eddie told him that he wasn't happy with the work and that if he had a problem with that, he could call the sheriff. But yeah, he's but like, he said oh, very, but I- like, obviously, like, oh, like an asshole. Like, oh, maybe I'm not happy with it. <laughs> like, and it's crazy because. Within that initial meeting of them, you know, discussing rates, I didn't notice any of that side to Eddie. And also the fucking sheriff and his mom went on about how Eddie would give you the shirt off his back. You know, like I'm not seeing that side of Eddie. Well, that side of Eddie is not true, right? So it's like bullshit. Because like Eddie, like, you know, he probably was playing this game the whole time where he, you know, looked into this guy, Michael, pretty much right away and was like, I bet I can get this son of a bitch to come and do a shit ton of work for me, build a fence, tell him I'm going to pay him this, but be able to hold over his head that he's not going to call the sheriff about the work because he has a warrant for his stepdad. So it's kind of dark what Eddie has done. He's used his police connections to 
rip off a homeless 19 year old. Yeah. So, so, so that, that's another thing though. So he, he had, what he had was an assault charge, right? He, did he have a warrant out for his arrest or it was just that assault charge on his stepdad? I think that, so he, he like hit his dad with a guitar yeah. and they, and, and they then he bailed him out. And then I think he ran or something. Oh, so he never okay, like okay, followed okay. up from there. And right. so, um, you know, Eddie's like, you know, Michael, it's really best you just chalk this out to experience, which is yeah, such a quick thing to say, right? Oh my God. I have a story real quick, real quick. Okay. Listen to this. Uh, I have a friend whose mom is like an interior designer. Okay. And back in like 2006 or whatever, Donald Trump, and I'll say allegedly, okay. But Donald Trump, uh, his company, one of his companies hired her to do design on the inside of one of these buildings. She apparently did like three months of work. They had a fixed, you know, rate for her. And then when it was all said and done, Trump's company said, Hey, well, we're not paying you, but you can say that you worked for Donald Trump on your fucking resume. Oh, so he's like the original influencer? The original bullshitter. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Well, I can like- totally see it. It's so fitting. And she told me this before he became president, too. And I was like, oh, that's crazy. I think also the extra fucked up part about that is like no one wants to be like, yeah, I designed something for Donald Trump because he so notoriously has the worst taste. So it's like, yeah, exactly. And she wasn't like, I don't want to put this on my resume. (laughs) Right, right. But man, it's crazy now because then I won't mention her name, but she's big and like a voting. Oh, yeah. Trump 2020. I'm like, oh, my God, you sick lady. Like, how do you like live with yourself? But yeah, whatever. But yeah, um, it's, it's, uh, yeah, he, he totally screwed him and is totally being an asshole about it. Not even like if I was him, I would be like, oh yeah, you know, I'll keep putting him off for a while at least instead of immediately telling him in the heat of the moment, I'm not fucking paying you little bitch. You know, like I would have like made it seem like I wasn't that much of an asshole. Cause that added the hostility being an asshole. You know what I mean? Cause it's like the, what are you going to do about it? Loser. Like that element. And Michael, like, you know, he's not someone who did this, I think in anger, but I think he knew he deserved his $800. So he walked back to the kitchen and starts digging around in the drawers. And we see this like junk drawer getting opened in a lot of the flashbacks. I mean, that's where I keep $800 in the fucking junk drawer in my kitchen. (laughs) Right. So (laughs) Michael like gets the money and Eddie like comes at him. He has a shotgun out and yeah, you know, things start to really get intense where they were basically a bunch of like camera stuff happens. So it's not super clear. But at the end of the day, no, Michael yeah. winds up on the kitchen table on his back and Eddie's like choking him with this shotgun. Yeah. And it looked and, like Michael was reaching for something, but I guess that they made a big deal out of that. It made it look like he was like reaching for something behind behind him at the table. And then he just gave up and I guess, you know, did whatever he did. So he got the shotgun out from Eddie. He like basically was able to grab the barrel, I think, and and leverage yeah. his weight. And um, he, I, it's like it's unclear exactly what happened. I think Ed, Michael just meant to sort of like deter him from coming clear, like closer to him. But it was yeah. like Michael also happened to like lean into it by accident, or Eddie happened to lean into it. So he winds up on the floor, basically, yeah. and. And Michael's just like, holy shit, I killed the man. So he took his $8, $800 and he ran. Yeah. So Allie's on the other side of the door, still holding the gun, you know, but she's sitting on the floor now and she's, her eyes are full of tears because she's, she's conflicted. Realizing, yeah. yeah. 
Michael says that he didn't know where to go or what to do, but he remembered this house and he remembered the attic and he hates that this happened and he has nightmares about it all the time. And he said, Ed Brinson was my nephew. Um, Ed Brinson was my nephew. Michael Collins is never going to see Italy. Oh, yeah, that, that that's that's that from the third of the sheriff's quote. Yeah, so so she has this memory of like him saying that, and she realizes like, oh, yeah, they're like basically this guy is irrationally out for blood when it comes right. to and and I wanted to point out it kind of gives you this story kind of sets up finally for the first time this very vague timeline let me explain myself here so he mentions that the re- after he kills Eddie he remembered the house uh the grandma's house and you know he he went back to the grandma's house but he was scared because he made that 911 call, but he, that's why he was in Oregon in the first place, wasn't it? It's because he made the 911 call and he ran. And he ran to Oregon or whatever to help that guy. Am I? Is that, no. Is that, no? I think he um, ran away from. Oh, wait. Because that's where it really confused me. Because he said, like, oh, then I ran after I made that 911 call. And then after I killed that guy, I remember this little house. And so I came back. And it was like, okay, well, then in that case, assuming, no, yeah, go ahead. I, I think he worked, I think he worked for the grandma and then work dried up. So he went to Oregon and, um, he killed that guy by accident. And so he needed right. somewhere to go and he remembered the attic and. Remember the attic was, from when, because remember he was working for the grandma and that's how he found the attic. Yeah, so like he started out working for the grandma when he was right. like locally homeless. Uh-huh. And then he worked for her. Then he went to Oregon to look for like more steady work. Yeah. And then he killed the guy. Yes. And then he came back to town. And then and the grandma died? Stayed in the attic. And then he happened to be there when the grandma died. Yeah. And then he just he he didn't he left that night and went to the greenhouse or I think Something like that. He went to the greenhouse okay. for a couple nights and then it was like for sure he was back. dead. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. It's just still, it's just the writing is crazy. But no, yeah. it is a weird timeline, especially because it all is like a two year turnaround in the way that this, you know, sheriff and, and the way that Eddie's mom is like, yeah. you would think it's about a decade. Yeah, of course. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Cause she's like distraught and she's gone she's gone mentally insane during this period. Like yeah. I'm, I'm assuming that's what the whole medication or whatever was for. But well, yeah, I think she's gone. he's just like high anxiety. And I think that her brother has fed that to her own detriment. Like, I think that her brother's sort of acts to grind and what really is kind of a cut and dry thing when you look at it, which is that Eddie stiffed a young guy yeah. And he did so by using information against him. Yeah. And he, you know, was owed this money for work. He only it's like he's like, oh, he did this for eight hundred dollars. And it's like, no, eight hundred. He took only what he was. This is not exactly, why that happened. Yeah. You know? And I think that honestly, like not having any sort of detective or police work, I'd be like, what's more likely is yeah. that he like broke in and stole $800 or like there was some sort of, cause it was one hit to the head. If this was like, you know, some sort of drug addict or like reckless yeah. individual, he probably would have done a lot more damage and oh, taken a yeah. lot more than $800. Exactly. So 
Um, he says that if she's still, she's like, he's like, are you still there? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, listen, I need to borrow your grandma's car. If the sheriff ever finds me, I'm a dead man. Yeah. And so she opens the door up and he smiles at her. Yeah. So, yeah I thought he was yeah, going to do something. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. He knows he's, he's, he's back in. So the two of them get into the car together and Callie's going to be driving and he yeah. instructs her on how to get to the Canadian border, which is brilliant because I forgot Canada was right there. Yeah, but still, I, 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 when, when, when he asked for the keys of the car, I assumed he was taking it by himself. Oh, for sure. I was like, for what sure. the hell is she doing? It was I the know. Most, yeah, but yeah, for sure. He did, he did mention Canada. I forgot Canada was right there, mostly because there's not a lot of references to Washington in this whole state. You know, it's not like they're in like a big city. It's just, like you said, that place could be anywhere. It could be the Midwest. It could be, you know... It could be Annabellum South for all you know. Yeah. And the truth is, is that also like, I mean, I don't know, like how great must that be to be able to run to Canada? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I they all speak in the, the same garden. language there too, you know? Yeah. And like you, it's easy to hop over the border seemingly based off I this guess, movie. Yeah. I, mean, I was, I was shocked at what the borderline right. looked like. But anyway, um, you know, he tells her it's about nine hours away. Nine yeah. hours. Yeah, that and was he asked, insane. He asked her if she's down for that and if she believes him that he didn't kill Ed on purpose. Yeah. Um, Weird and then thing right to ask. I would just be like, I'll shut up and let you think what you want. Hey, do you believe me? Like, what? What? You're giving her the opportunity to think this shit over. Right. <laughs> exactly. And then also, exactly. I wouldn't tell her, hey, it's a nine hour trip as soon as they leave. I would let her get an hour into it and be like, oh, fuck, I'm screwed, you know? Oh, I would never, I could never do that. I couldn't, I wouldn't have the balls. <laughs> you're you're already they, a terrible person at that point. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I you've guess, already I guess. so much. <laughs> I guess that's true. So her mom calls her and she decides to answer and she has like one earbud in on like her little set. So she tells her mom that she took the car. She took the car from grandma's house and she had some stuff she had to take care of. Like, oh my God, what? what a weird thing. Bro, if I was a parent and my kids said that, I'd be like, get the fuck home right now. <laughs> right. And I'd be like, what stuff? Yeah, um, you've never been out here before, ever. Right. And like, you just were harboring a man in our attic for yeah. two days. So and then she's like, are you harboring him? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> so her mom tells her it's better, you know, she better not be with Michael and please yeah. tell her that not where she is and Callie tells her mom that he's innocent and there's a lot of stuff that she doesn't she know doesn't know she doesn't know it about the sheriff and she doesn't know it about the guy he killed so like this is like this is good because we're starting to see okay at least Callie is like fully believing the story that he yeah. told versus just like yeah. hypnotized yeah. Is, yeah it's textbook though adolescent teenage girl though you know, like, no, mom, you don't understand. You don't get him. He's different. You know, he's not like what they say. That whole thing. Yeah. Know? Like, especially like, man, I, my sister, like, she, there was this period of time where it was like, she was like, I think a sophomore and some senior was like trying to get at her. And like, it was obvious, like it was, it was just, it was weird for the situation. And like my my mom was like, yeah, you know, like he's not, he's not really in love with you. Sister thought they were in love. And and he's like, no, mom, you don't understand. And sure enough, like it, he was like seeing four other girls at the time or something. So, yeah, it, it's yeah, just there is that factor of it. Because like at the very beginning, when she says to him, like, how, how many, many girls, girls? Yeah. asked about Tuscany? And it's like, 
Dude, probably the fact lot. that yeah, first of all, probably a lot. That was such a rehearsed line, too, yeah. Leave him. Like it made me think of just how cringy it is of like when you're that age, like the stuff you will believe if a guy like, you know, he sells you a dream and you buy it. Yeah, you he know, works like, correctly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, her mom demands that Callie tells her, you know, where she is. And she says that she can't do that and that she'll be home sometime tomorrow. So her mom's like, tomorrow? Yeah, you said tonight. Yeah. So then Lindsay decides to give the sheriff from Oregon a phone call on his personal cell phone and tells him that she needs some help because she just spoke to Callie. And it sounds like Michael abducted her or convinced her to take him someplace. So he says that she's in a 73 blue Lincoln and that she thinks he might be with her. Um, and that they couldn't have gotten too far because they haven't been gone that long. Right. And so he's like, listen, text me all the info in the car. And she's like, well, could I call the local police station too, to get them put the APB out there? And he's He's like, like, no, "No, I'll take care care of of all that. That would have been like my first sign right there is when he's like, no, honestly, that's, that's, I guess that's where you and I are different. Cause I mean, not that I trust the police so much, but I would think like, oh yeah, he'll probably do it. You know, I don't know why. I just feel like you, yeah, he probably, yeah, he's right. You know, I shouldn't be bothering myself with this. Like, well, it's the only reason work. why I would think that's fishy is because it's so far out of his jurisdiction. Yeah, there you go. That that makes sense too. Yeah, and but first of all, also like she's weird for not calling the local police like right then. Like, hey my daughter is blah, blah, blah. Like, don't you think like, cause I mean that guy, what left an hour ago, you think he's going to find them before like a local cop would. Yeah. Well, I think that like he's, you know, this cop has figured out a way to sort of circumvent the system because yeah. he has that reward page up on Google. So when you right. Google him, you get his phone number yeah, and then he drives down 200 miles to go check up on this case. Yeah. So then, you know, he's earned a false sense of trust with this mom and, you know, she, I mean, in all fairness, she doesn't live there. Um, but it does seem like this cop has a very personal edge to this case that oh, would course, make yeah. me, it, I don't know if it would, if it would convince me that he's going to take care of it or not, but yeah, uh, basically she's like, he's like, um, you know, she, she takes care of that. So Michael and Callie are driving and he tells her to be careful not to speed. And she says that she needs to stop and get some gas at some point. Cause they're yeah. already like driving on empty him. yeah so um he asked her to please just go a little bit further and that for some reason that weirded me out because i was like dude what are you trying to do like wind up in a fucking ditch like i know he's he was he's weird the whole movie he's weird but yeah for sure i know exactly what you're talking about so then rachel goes into her mom's room and opens the drawer and realizes that the gun is missing and at that point she gives the sheriff a call back but the sheriff yeah. ignores the call and ignores keeps driving for sure yeah which is like for me, like this is another big that moment. Was the, that was the red flag for me. That's where I was like, "Oh, this guy is totally like ridiculous." Like he'd always been sus, but when he ignored that call, I was like, "Oh, he's got other motives." He's on the warpath now, baby. So oh, for sure, she leaves a message about the gun, basically saying, "I think they have a gun." Um, and so Michael takes the gun out of the glove box, and he tells Callie that he's never shot a gun before. Have has right. she? And yeah. she's like, no. Um, and people are going to think you're crazy. Like They're going to think I'm crazy for giving a gun to a guy who's wanted for mor- murder. And I was yeah. like, oh, God, please don't let this go where I think it's going to go. I, and I it totally didn't. thought it was going to go there, too. And, of course, it didn't. That, but I, in a way, I kind of wish it did. Because yeah, I know. Because it was like, that would have added something, you know, because 
by by this point in the movie, like you, what what's the end game? You know. Yeah, it's 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 a typical like disappointing lifetime ending where you're like, oh, this could have gone so. Cool. Oh yeah, but yeah, but there, then you got to think of a lifetime audience. You know, like if it had gone the way we wanted it to, all the sixty year old moms would have been like, oh, I. I don't like that movie that that's not very, you know, friendly for me to watch. Like, cause these people that they want, you know, easy watching, I guess, from what I understand. I think also they think of the people who would want their son to be yeah. taken care of like this in a situation. Cause I think lifetime always really tries to consider what a viewer will get out of it. And in a yeah. movie like this, Michael being only 19 and having go gone through so much hard stuff in his life. Yeah. Um, they are going to be sympathetic towards them and hope that someone would have done that for their son. Exactly. Yeah. I make that sense. That makes sense. So then he's like, you know, if they ask you, tell them that I kidnapped you, they're going to arrest you if you tell the truth. And he wants you to, you know, he's like, please promise me that you will tell them that they kidnapped. kidnapped you." Kelly's like, why won't you just go turn yourself in and get a lawyer and explain what happened? And he says he doesn't want to spend the rest of his life in prison. And I will say, you know what? In all fairness, I get it because I don't think he's going to get a fair shot up in Oregon based off of the way this sheriff is coming for him. So, I mean... And while normally I would agree with Callie that that's the the route to take, I completely understand Michael's fear for not wanting to just go make this take it the easy way. Yeah, but then also wouldn't wouldn't he not want to make it seem like he also kidnapped somebody? I mean, not to screw her over or anything, but if he's that concerned about his future, I I feel like he would throw her under the bus. That would make the most logical sense to me. Like, oh yeah, she was helping me. Yeah, I think he has some like wishful thinking that he's going to get he's going to get over the border and he just yeah. wants to make sure that she doesn't pay any consequences. I don't think he's thinking of like if we get caught, yeah. say I kidnapped you. He's definitely you not know? thinking very hard. Yeah. So um she tells him, Listen, it was self defense. The story you told me, like you killed this guy because he was trying to kill you. And he says, It yeah. doesn't matter. The cops arrested me when I punched my stepdad in defense, and they're going to say he's guilty no matter what. So, yeah, but he didn't really punch his stepdad in defense, did he? He just hit him over the head because he burned his stuff. Yeah, I mean, isn't that kind of like a... I don't know if it's considered a form of like... I don't know. It depends on the, like, honestly, it depends on the state. Because if he was a minor at the time, he was 17 or something at the time, Like, I don't think you can do that shit. But a lot of states have protections for children. But I, it just depends on the situation, again, that too much content. But also... Isn't it sort of like, I mean, I don't think his stuff was necessarily considered his stepdad's stuff. So, like, in a weird way, isn't it also on his stepdad for, like, destroying his property? Oh, for sure. I'm not arguing that. That's definitely, like, some form of child abuse. But I think that, I don't know if when you're a minor, you're technically considered to have property, do you? I don't know. But if I was a cop and I got that call, I'd be like, listen, you burnt all of his shit. Do you want me to... Do you right. want me to man, we, like write we, you, you up for I that? Way too good of people to be cops. Yeah, no, for real. I would be. I would be letting everyone off. I'd yeah, be like, oh, really? You didn't yeah. mean it. You're fine. Just go ahead. Um, so Rachel gets into the police station and she finds out that the sheriff from Oregon never called in the APB because, like, this guy's like, I had no idea a girl is abducted. I had no yeah. idea. And the officer's like, well, how old is Callie? And then right before she could fucking answer off. it, I'm like, what do you mean? This is all I, I, I want to know. I think they did that on purpose. I think they did too. Yeah, because they're like, shit, how old can we say this girl is? Because we have a 30-year-old actor, 35-year-old actress, 
like a 19 year old guy. Can we say he's, he's of age. She needs to be of age for this to be like legal. Yeah. It, it was just, it, it was a he's whole weird thing. Younger than her in real life. And I think That's she was probably thing. like 32 or something. Yeah, when this 32 was and this, yeah. This is mid. So I don't know, man, it's, it's wild, but the officer asked her how old uh, Callie is. We see, we cut to that where Callie and Michael are at the gas station and she's like, should I get us some food? And he's like, yeah, we should do that. Right. And, again, and then she just goes uh, in and gets like a Coke and like a bag of chips. And I was thinking about like Callie's relationship with food again, because I was like, the last thing on my mind would be like, should I put nutrition in my body? But like, I, I think it's. I think it's good that she was thinking that way. But the last thing I would ever think is like, should we get some snacks for this? Like, <laughs> dude, uh, especially that close. You know what I mean? Like, man, those, those shits can wait, man. You can wait. Yeah. You don't like need a bag so of smart food. Exactly. Yet. Like you don't got to stop and under all those lights being the only blue link in there. You know what I mean? That's the other thing too with this fucking blue Lincoln is like they decide that they're gonna Michael's like, listen, I'm gonna switch the plates. So oh my God. he decides he's gonna switch plates. And first of all, like up up the plates from a 73 Lincoln are so radically different than whatever's on the back of like a Honda Civic. So of it's course. like completely pointless. But no matter what, I'm pretty sure if they're looking for a 73 blue Lincoln with two teenagers in it. They're not checking the plates to verify. No it's way. Like- How many 73 blue Lincolns do you see on the street? I want everyone listening to this while, while they're <laughs> driving or whatever to count how many old blue Lincolns you see on the street. If, if there's Zero. one, I'd be amazed. Yeah. Um, but like maybe one that your grandfather has in the driveway. Right. Uh, so Michael's looking around the whole time. He's paranoid. He's going to get busted. And then, of course, the you know, gas attendant at the flying K sees that he is um, switching the plates. So he calls this in to the police. And then while kids switching plates. Yeah. And so while Rachel is at the police station, the call comes in about the plates. And so she's like, you know, all psyched about that. And then um, Rachel and him also. Yeah. They have this conversation where she doesn't understand why the sheriff would lie about alerting the other stations. And the cop says he probably wants to make the arrest himself, but that's not how these work. So we know that the cop she's talking to at her local station is like, he's on board with her and he's like our savior. Yeah. You you want to know a fun fact? What? He's the only black guy in the entire movie. It always is. Like it always is. (laughs) And he's a cop. How ironic. The minority casting in these movies are so um, <laughs> yeah, no, so haphazard, but like I was so glad in this movie that that the one like actor that was not a white person, like well, an ov- overtly white person, yeah, yeah, it's I that's great. I fucking love that. Um, that actually happens a lot. They uh, often in Lifetime movies they will put um like the yeah. minority roles they will put them in like positions of like power. administrative yeah. or legal power which yeah. I, I love that's good yeah for sure but I, I, it sounds funny like the call is out that these kids may are armed and dangerous and that the female should be considered a hostage because yeah, but he hesitated when he said that which is kind of weird i thought well, because Rachel wanted to make sure, because she wants it especially clear on the record, because it seems like the sheriff from Oregon is like completely running his own game here. Oh, One yeah. One thing they say that the female should be considered a hostage 
it allows them to, you know, treat the situation like where they don't just like pump bullets into the car. Exactly. Yeah. So that kind of like saved her life. Which I guess, you know, pumping bullets into things is something that cops is, thinks is like normal. Right. It's like (laughs) every day. Yeah, totally. So Callie and Michael have a bad feeling that they just, you know, got caught at the flying K and he tells her to pull over down a dark road and they'll figure out a new plan. So then we go to a little, there's a little commercial break moment. And then when we come back, we see the sheriff getting the alert on his radio and he's pissed off that this is out there now, because if anything, he's now more determined. Like he's like, fuck now I really have to go get this because everyone else for them too yeah and then so, he turn around did he turn was he going the wrong direction i thought i noticed him like pop a yui or something like oh man it was weird i thought he just didn't it, and he didn't know where to go in the first place i don't think he was just he driving yeah he flipped a bitch but like the other thing too is that this officer has had his sirens on yeah. like the entire time can on you like imagine road. that battery yeah, before he gets there you're driving like 300 miles with your siren on. That's like know, insane weird, person behavior. If I was a cop, I would pull over that other cop. Um, so then Callie and Michael go into this like area that I have to say that like you only see these areas of trees and movies. If it's like a haunted movie right. or if like murder is about to happen, like, yeah. In Monster, like where Eileen Warnos would take all of like the Johns that yeah. she killed. Oh, like Eileen Warnos, man. Very yeah. good. When I saw that pull up, I was like, oh shit. So then Rachel calls her and leaves a message asking her to call her back because there's you know, they're starting to close in yeah, on yeah, them. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that uh that 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 set with all the trees reminds me of that movie Heathers. You know Heathers, right? Yeah, where they take him into that thing and they shoot, they shoot the two guys or whatever. It's it, somebody always gets shot in the woods. Always, yeah. yeah. If there is a clearing in the woods, like forget it. Don't even go there. Oh yeah, forget uh, it. So then they, she basically says that if Michael turns himself in, it will be better for both of them. Right. And then you know, while he's listening to this message, their car dies in the middle of the woods and yeah. it turns out the engine is overheated and they may need to just get some coolant. They may be completely out of luck. Right. And Callie's, him, you know, Michael, I don't have a phone signal. And she's like, what should we do? And he says, listen, we're really hidden out here. We could stay here for the night and then go get some like coolant in the morning. Yeah. And Callie's like, no, let's just go on foot. And I'm like, dude, you want to walk to Canada? Yeah. She's like- crazy. <laughs> they're dumb, but they're not thinking they're kids. But they're also like surprisingly not far from the border. Yeah, based this, off it's of certainly what not been see. nine hours either, which is weird. The two of them could have been over that border within fifteen minutes oh, if they wanted. Yeah, forget it. They were right there. He could have ran. So then, um, you know, Michael's like, "Let's just spend the night here." So. The two of them hold hands in the car and he tells her, you know, tomorrow when we fix the car, you should go alone. Yeah. And, and you know, he's like, she goes, oh, well, you're not getting away that easy. Yeah, so they're like, flirting. take a hint, lady. You know what I mean? Like, just he's done. <laughs> and she goes, he goes, why are you doing this for me, Callie? And she says, because I don't think life has been very fair to you. Wow. And he tells her that she's the most beautiful person he's ever met. And they make out. I know. How so romantic. in the morning, the two of them wake up, like cuddled up together with a blanket in the back of the car. Yeah. And Callie, but I don't think they boned. No, no way they did. I don't think either. I, yeah, I don't think so either. 
that would be pretty bold. I have to say, sure, <laughs> that would be pretty... it would be way too bold. And and obviously, I, I think it would take a lot out of their relationship because I mean, that's where do you go from there? <laughs> you do. Yeah. What? Yeah, the intimacy, I guess, has to build. There has to be a real yearning there. Yeah. So, um, Callie is a signal now, and she decides to look up an auto station. Um, she's like, "What did you call it?" And he's like, "Oh, like an auto station? station mechanic auto station." Yeah. But I was like, "That's that's oh, whatever. I don't know auto station." Yeah, oh, auto well, station. The auto so, station, eh? So, um, she looks up and it's the police coming toward them. I know. And so they get out of the car and they make a break for it on foot and then crouch behind a fallen tree. So then the sheriff gets out of his car with his flashlight in the daytime, which is something I I thought I saw that exact same thing. I noted that too. I was like, old man, you've been up all night. Let's face it. You're probably drunk. And what's crazy too is it took him all night to, and then he just magically as soon as they woke up oh, here i am you know like yeah come on dude sometimes how that's how life is you I know guess. so rachel's still at the police station she sat there all night and the same cop is still on duty as well and he tells her that the phone is back on so we're gonna play this clip one eighteen thirteen to one twenty. Rachel, phone's back on. They just pinged your location. What do we do? We gotta split up. No. No, we're staying, staying together. I'm next to you. He's not gonna shoot me. Don't be so sure. If he thinks you're helping me, then we're both dead, okay? Just trust me. So you run that way. I tell him you went the other way. And that throws him off, yeah? Thank you. Okay. I'm gonna head that way. I'm gonna go deeper into the woods. You tell him I'm gonna head north. Okay? Okay, yeah, okay. I need a 10 minute head start. Careful. Oh, don't worry about me. I gotta stay one piece so we can meet up in Italy someday, right? <laughs> okay. Ten minute head start. I mean, first of all, this is it's shocking because this is this sheriff is an old man. Old. Like, let's call it what it is. Yeah. The fact that he couldn't hear them, they were being loud. Hey, like I was oh, like, you guys are even Oh my god, what do we do? You're not using whispering voices no, and like this sheriff you've been hiding away. from. Yeah. And so 
Like she's hiding behind this tree stump and he needs a 10 minute head start. And I'm kind of looking at that and being like, for what, dude? Like as if this elderly man is going to trail you. And this scene is so comical because like they try their best to like make it seem like more distance than it is, but it's very obvious. it's It's about a good 15, maybe 10 yards away. Yeah, it's nothing. So, you know, she jumps up from behind the log with yeah. her hands up. And she's like, he kidnapped me. I need to call my mom. Totally bullshitting. He, took so, he takes a look at her and he goes, are you lying to me, girl? I, well, and you I'm know like, what I think is crazy is she's a, she's approaching him kind of fast with her hands up. When, like, he's aiming the gun right at her, man. And I was like, dang, man, you're playing a dangerous game, girl. And, and on top of that, her fake crying is some of the worst I've seen in all of Hollywood. <laughs> is it? I mean, I thought, you know, maybe she was crying because her boyfriend just ran away. I, but I, I guess, yeah. I mean, I, all of this is to say that, like, you know, no one knows what they're going to do in a situation like this until they're in it. But I probably would have started with, like, a soft, like, hello. I know, right? Like, oh, hey, who is it? Hey, help me. And be like, are you like, you're the sheriff? He ran that way and like point to the opposite direction because like she doesn't, you know, he says which way and she has her hands up and the way she points is it's weird. Like, yeah, it's very weird. It, and like, yeah, weird it's standard. unclear with like because like technically all of her fingers are slightly pointed in exactly. different directions. And, and I it didn't, did she tell him the wrong way or the right way? Because it, she told him the wrong way, but then I think he didn't believe her and maybe, he decided to, I guess because yeah, he, he caught, yeah, it, it did not go the way that she planned. So he walks up to the woods. Um, he says to go wait by the car. And so he walks up to the woods um, and just then Rachel in the cop pull up where Callie's phone was last pinged. Right. And, you know, it's cr- all of this is just crazy because, like, how did this old man find them? Yeah, like, he's obviously impossible. not utilizing police resources. So he just drove around all fucking night all looking fucking for night these. And just got lucky. And then secondly, this woods that they're going to do a little chase scene through is so thick. Like the floor of this woods is yeah. so, I would be afraid to walk through that at any yeah, age in my life. Animals all there. Like, yeah, forget it. Stones, just like random shit, sticks, right? So yeah, then, poison ivy. Oh, sticks for sure. <laughs> um, dude, I had to pay so much money to have someone rip poison oak out of my yard. Dude, forget it. I would have moved. I I know, right? (laughs) Well, unfortunately, that wasn't a choice. So I had to pay this guy, and he like came in like a fucking hazmat suit and removed this. This is dangerous. I had to move it. I had to take down this piece of brush to meet city fire code because of like the fires. And so he was like, "Oh, that piece of brush has poison oak all over it," and I was like, "No." And he was like, "Yeah, planting poison oak seeds." I want to (laughs) know. I think like animals. No, I think animals like eat it and then they shit the seeds out other places. Really? I mean, or it just blows through the wind. That's crazy. I don't know. Nature's fucking crazy, dude. Like, I I woke up and I saw like a deer's ass in my window the other day. Was it alive? Like, yeah, it was totally alive. On this farm road, and I get out. And like I, cause I had to use a bathroom and there was no bathroom in sight. So I get out and do it on the side of the road. Right. 
And dude, I go and I'm like standing there. I'm already uncomfortable. And then I look down and I see a deer's face staring directly at me. And then I look no, down further. Dead. It was dead, but its head was still completely intact. But you saw its rib cage, and I was like, Ugh! "It was a sign." Oh, I was like, "This is a sign. No. It's the devil." <laughs> yeah, that's haunted shit, dude. Forget that it. is really upsetting. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. terrified. I'm terrified of seeing dead animals. Uh, me, like dude, I, me too. It's this weird thing I have. I'd rather see an animal, dude. Anything dead scares the shit out of me. Yeah, I it's haunted. It. It's weird. Yeah. So, um, this is the, you know, last sort of chunk that we're going to play one twenty one forty to one twenty four oh eight. This is the it. sheriff's moment he's been waiting for. Cool. This is it. Today's the day, Collins. The day you're going to die. I don't think it's going to be quick either. I'm going to make you suffer in ways you never thought possible. What's going on? Where's Michael? <laughs> I'm not gonna hurt him. I'm gonna bring him in and he can get a lawyer and tell his side of the story. Callie, listen to me. Sheriff Blackwell is out of his jurisdiction. Help me get to Michael before he does. You were dead the day you killed my nephew. I know you can hear me, Michael. Sheriff Blackwell, stand down. This fugitive is mine. My state, my jurisdiction. I order you to stand down. Stay out of it. Don't move. Here's where I can see him. Officer down. We're going to need an ambulance. Jesus Christ. The this corniest so sequence in all of television history, I think. I mean, it's just so sad. It was like, just, all of it. it. It's it's like, are you serious? No way. You know, like, it was the weirdest thing in the world to me, I thought. So this old-ass man is chasing Michael through the woods. Michael starts to get close to the border, which is a chain-link fence. 
that you would see maybe in an, in front of an elementary school. It's like the cheapest chain link fence that separates the border. And right before he gets too close, the sheriff is like, you know, sheriff isn't close enough to shoot yet, but he obviously doesn't give a shit about anything at this point. Oh yeah, no, he's it's over. He's basically saying to the other cop, this fugitive, he means like this kill is mine, is what he's saying. Like, I've been waiting for this, right? So he, Michael's hiding behind this tree and he remembers, oh my God, I've got Marty's gun. So he crouches behind this tree, pulls out the gun, and then, like, you know, the sheriff just, well, no, I thought that was smart because, like, I thought, bro, I thought if he pulled out that gun, it would give the cop perfect excuse. Like, oh, he had a gun. You saw him, you know, like, Something like that. Yeah, Cops I guess, always lie I guess, with shit like that. No, I guess that's true. I guess the only thing he really had going for him is that this cop was clearly like beyond any sort of professional. Oh yes, like, bro, all the shit. Like he gave him his manifesto. Like, oh, I'm gonna make you suffer. Like, like, uh, today's the day you die. Like, what the hell? Like, how unprofessional? Like, come on, man. And I, I think he, I think Michael, once he knew that the other cop was there, he was like, okay, I can fuck around a bit. Cause it was obvious that the state cop was like, you know, on his side. Exactly. Kind of. Yeah. Whatever. For sure. But then like Michael starts to get up to make a break for the border and the cop sends out a lame shot that goes nowhere. And then that makes the shoot the sheriff in the arm. That was crazy. And it's, it's just this like sad old injured man, like chasing down a teenage boy who's had a terrible yeah, life. Yeah, exactly. And then he hops over this chain link fence and runs into Canada yeah. with like nothing more than like his cloth backpack, yeah. right? And then the officer comes and like apprehends like the sheriff or whatever. And then Callie comes running down through the woods and just goes to the chain link fence and like stares off like can't like and just disbelief that this man yeah, is gone. Exactly. From her life. Yeah. And it's kind of like it's kind of brutal because like. I feel like she might have been too young to realize, like, when you take someone to the border, like, you're not going to, you guys aren't going to be, like, calling each other. You guys oh, are not going to yeah, be, like, duh, moving up like, any and, 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 Oh, you're not getting rid of me that easy. That comment she made, it's like, oh, you don't know where this is going, do you? <laughs> like, no. We are not going to be communicating ever. Yeah. No, it's rough. So then Callie, like, you know... She goes home with like, there's tons of cops there. They're all searching the woods for any evidence they can find. Rachel returns home to grandma's house that night with Callie and the two of them eat dinner in the dining room table and Callie apologizes to her mom. And then that's just sort of an apology scene that where like nothing is even really said. It's just like, I'm sorry, mom. And then so Callie boxes up all of her mementos from this wild week at grandma's house. The picture of fucking dad. Yeah. She's got her sketches from Michael. And it's like, dude, this is like too much has happened in one week. Like, too this much. is like a game it's terrible. Like, why would you want any memory of it? I'd be like, fuck this. Like, I'm never coming back here. <laughs> for like, for real. And like, by the way, this is like when, you know, a college essay asks you about a challenging time in your this life. This week about. would be. But if you wrote the truth about this week, you would not be getting into any college. Oh, like, if you yeah. like. Dude, and be like, we're not looking for, we're looking for like maybe, you know, you guys immigrated or something. We're not looking for, 
<laughs> you found out who your dad was. There was a strange man living in the attic. You drove him illegally to the board. Like it's too yeah, much. So, it. Uh, Marty helps Rachel pack up the car and Callie sort of just like walks right past him and know, he has to like yeah. stop her for a hug. And I'm like, well, what did Marty ever do yeah, to you? I, Callie? I know there's so much weird disconnection in the, between this whole family. Marty seemed like the only normal one, but also kind of weird himself. Yeah, because like Marty and his sister seem to get along. Yeah, given for sure. Almost in a weird way. Yeah. They, yeah, they have almost every opportunity to not like each other, but they do. Exactly. So then Callie says that she feels like, you know, so much stuff is ending right now. And her mom says, you know, me too. But with every end, there's a new beginning. Exactly. So then we see Callie, you know, skipping out of her house to go to school one day. And I have to say, this actress's hair is kind of like a thing for me. Like the I way it was that a her hair for the looked, longest time. Yeah. Like Rachel McAdams her and Mean Girls. Yeah, her hair looks so good in like yeah. when she's watching her run away from the border. And I'm like, girl, listen, like, you know, I- I'm not a Hollywood actress. I don't have Hollywood actress hair, but like right. after driving in a car for two days in this dank ass weather, yeah. like your hair looks really pretty and well preserved. Yeah. Your makeup so all she's- is good, yes. <laughs> She does. She does have very like perfectly neutral makeup. It's exactly. very lifetime makeup, where very it's like lifetime, oh, you're very first- young kid makeup almost. And also, they did some unfavorable lighting in this movie. Where I noticed if there was like a scene with Rachel and her mom, her mom, um, Rachel and her daughter. Yeah, Rachel was lit so much better than Callie was, oh, which yeah, I feel like. Too. Again, aged Callie in a weird way, and I didn't understand why that this movie wanted to do her like that because yeah, I feel it was, like it was weird. This, it was a whole weird thing. Is young and pretty, and there's so many other ways that they could have made her look younger. They just did her no favors. Oh, so, of course, yeah. She's bouncing out of her house. You know, this is, I guess, what we're supposed to feel is like present day. Yeah. She bounces out of her house and she gets a little video message on her cell phone, and yeah. it's Michael. Swinging on a tree swing. On a fucking swing. Nobody, somebody's filming or he set it up on like, like a stump or something. Who's taking this video, right? Yeah. So he says, hey, beautiful. Hey, beautiful. I, can't really, I can't really tell you where I'm at, but I miss you. How the fuck did you get her number? They have phones now? Right. He has a phone now? Like, you know, like, right. it, this whole he weird thing. He just found a fucking Canadian lady to take care of him. Uh, I, yeah, and then he's going to find another girl and be like, hey, I want to get back to America. Want to go to Tuscany with me? <laughs> Let's uh, yeah, get the hell so out of here, yeah. He says, wish you were here with me. It's not quite Tuscany, although someday, when the time's right. And then she... Someday. She looks up to the sky, yep, someday. And that's the final fucking line of the movie, because of course it is. Yeah, that's like, it. No answer about what the fuck happened to that corrupt cop. No answer about whether his sister went mentally insane. You know, nothing more about the dad or the grandma. Nothing. Like, that's it. Dude, the real victim in this movie is honestly the sister. It's the sister. Which sister? Uh, the the sheriff's sister. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And his mom. Yeah, forget it, man. She got no, she got no justice because of her weird fucking brother. Like no, nothing, you know, but she was kind of crazy too. talking about how I had a dream. I killed him last night. Like, you know, like this weird 
thing. I think that's her brother, though. I think because like he's tried to like you know the actor tried to be like a little taken aback when she said yeah, that. that even scene, when she wanted to increase the reward, he was all like not down for it. Yeah, because he's like, hold your horses. Like, we don't need to go that far. And I'm like, well, someone worked her up this much. And I feel like you haven't done anything to help with that element of it. And I feel like in a weird way, this guy just like is a power tripping asshole who gets off on like anything. And like, he's claiming he's doing this for his sister. But like, if he cared about his sister's mental well-being, he would be dealing with this in a slightly more elegant way. Like, I'm sure there are people all the time in that county or in that area who experience a tragic loss like that. Maybe oh, not murder. Yeah, but sure. like, I'm sure he's talked a lot of families through things like that. And it seems like the to his own sister, he's making it worse. And it's just like, what is this vendetta he has? I don't know, man. He's crazy. And that's like, that's the movie was just, it was so hard to like keep up with. Like the, the character arc was really shitty pretty much for everyone. Like there was no real, like, development or change it was all everyone kind of stayed the same no one learned any fucking lessons and it was like damn really like that's i was so surprised when it ended like that to be honest so i'm looking at the um imdb ratings what did they give it i'm curious so overall this movie was um a 4.2 with men who were 18 to 29, a 4.7 with men who were 30 to 44, and a 5.3 to the 45 plus set. Then we got females, yeah. okay? A 6 for females 18 to 29, really? a 5.2 for females 30 to 44, and a 5.7 for uh females 45 plus females 18 to 29 huh really enjoyed this movie um let's do you want to read a couple reviews because i always think that's fine let's do it okay um let me see user reviews callie looks older than her mom (laughs) oh she did most well i don't know the mom looked old too but they looked about the same age so, um, three out of ten, Callie looks older than her mom. The teenager, Callie, Addie Cobb, looked older than her mother, Rachel, Gina Holden. <laughs> then I found out why. Addie is 31 and Rachel is 40. The director must have blinders on because Addie does not look like a teenager. As a matter of fact, she looked older than Rachel. Addie is a pretty lady and I tried to enjoy the movie, but trying to overlook Callie, Addie, as a teenager was very distracting. I hope she accepts more adult roles next time because she's a good actress, but I did eventually overlook it and enjoyed the movie. I would have rated this movie higher if there was more of a twist and turn in this movie. Right. Rather, it- but it was rather enjoyable. I did enjoy the role of the mother, so that's a plus. Man. I agree with you. That's that surmises my issue with this. Um, someone wrote "Over the Hill in an Attic." This is two out of ten stars. When the credits roll, the police discover a dead man in an old mansion. Two months later, the setting switches to Shields, Washington. We're it's we're told it's two hundred miles from Coburg. Okay, you don't need to bother to jot down that particular fact. A pair of women <laughs> drive into the small town this is just like a summary where are we getting the okay the story unraveled even earlier during casting producers favor casting juvenile performers who are too old for their parts right in the theater this doesn't matter much because people sit far apart from the actors so there's no clue i love that he's <laughs> uh, dude, reviewing this, this, this in, in academy theater. review yeah 
um, in theater, this doesn't matter much because people sit across from the actors and there are no close-ups. For film and TV, parts and parts need to be cast closer to age. There are some exceptions, of course, but Boy in the Attic isn't one of them. A short adult could play a young child for some time, especially while possessing a youthful look. You give a pass to Mr. Lloyd-Jones playing a boy herein because people are calling young men and women boys and girls more often, and he isn't that far off. However, the age discrepancy between Cobb and Holden is simply too distracting. Oh, yeah. The younger woman was way too mature for her part, and the older actress looked far too young for her role. That's true. That I mean, is true. That to be an overwhelming criticism. Let me see if there's someone who, who loved it. Loved it. <laughs> 10 out of 10. No way. Let's see what this is. This is probably like her dad or something. Hold on. Oh, yeah. I would do that, too. Are you serious? It won't let me read because there's spoilers. It's going to make me sign in. Ugh. Oh, what? Um, okay. No, here's a here's a good one. Okay. Best movie in a long time. 10 oh, out of 10. Oh, my God. That's one of those First 18 to 29-year-old women. First time I seen the movie, missed the first half, leaving me wanting to see the rest. Luckily, I found it on YouTube. After watching it all the way through, I'm ready. I'm really wanting this movie on DVD. Oh my god, on DVD! That should give you a little description of, you know, this person's mindset. Man, I want a hard copy of this to take with me in my car. Yeah, like, can you imagine, like, you go to this person's, like, lake house? Like, know, this is, they like, have this, in, their you, this is in the DVD player already. This is, like, when you rent an Airbnb and, like, they just have the weirdest fucking, like, collection of things to read and watch. Like, this is that person. <laughs> Dude, so, that's, that's embarrassing. I can't believe people put that online. Like, if you liked it that much and you see that it has, like, a 4.2, man... Like, I would just keep my mouth shut about it. <laughs> so this is, this is, it continues. Don't worry, Dylan. Oh, so cool. It goes, it, it, it's different from the other movies I've been seeing. Great mix of drama, action, thriller, etc. It has a great choice of characters. I could watch this movie over and over. Oh my I noticed God. in other comments, people said that the daughter looked older than the mother. I really don't see it. What? However, <laughs> They're lying. That was written by Abby Cobb herself. Ready? Listen to this. However, I bowl with this mother and daughter that both look like teenagers, so it really doesn't bother me much. Oh it could be God. a rare thing where the mother just isn't showing her actual age in the movie. Oh, <laughs> this yeah, person bowls for the movie. <laughs> They're on like a bowling team. Oh my God. That explains it. You, have, you have to read another word. I get it. Uh, that's it. Well, um, let me see really quickly before we wrap it up if there's any sort of fun facts because we love okay so there's some go. goofs Trivia, some this. goofs well yeah goofs you're gonna have to it's gonna fill the whole page there's just one and it says the Lincoln is called out as a 73 for the APB clearly this is a 75 to 76 town car oh which God. is not which is not only the more square but it has a draft drastically different rear end never was the front grill entirely visible but it looked like an aftermarket. You know this guy just, yeah. This guy just watches movies to type out the car facts. Yeah. Oh no, for sure. He goes. It looked like an aftermarket pimped wide grill, which would fit over the seventy-five or seventy-six, seventy-seven, and seventy-nine was narrower in width, much more like a Rolls Royce oh than the previous two years. Pimped grill looked like a Rolls Royce, but rounded, as here replacing the relatively dull normal grills. 
Oh my god! All right, this guy, man, get him. He, he's bro. He's the best at parties. You can already tell. I fucking love these reviews. They make me so. It makes me so happy. Um, I can't believe they review Lifetime movies for real. Like IMDb is supposed to be like where snooty movie people go and like talk about you know whether Forrest Gump was better than Pulp Fiction. Well, they're definitely. Like there, those circle jerks exist, but like you have to remember that these are user reviews that like literally anyone who sees a movie can sign on and write a review. Yeah. Dang. That's crazy, man. I I can't believe people like it that much. I can't believe this guy wanted to buy it on DVD. I can't believe it. I know, man. I I can't believe it either. I can't believe he thought it would be available on DVD. It might be. Um, but dude, listen, thank you so much for coming on, Dylan. All of your information is going to be linked in the description of this episode, your Twitter, your Instagram, anything Perfect. you want shared. Thank you so much for coming back. Is there any like little like things you wanted to tag on before we wrap up? Or do you feel like we've done our job today? Dude, we've done our job today. We've done our <laughs> job today. Yeah, I'm 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 really happy with it. I mean, I'm uh I've been working on, you know, my writing and you know, I have a few stand-up sets that I plan on doing when clubs open back up, but everything's still closed, you know, so I can't, you know, go out really and perform and I don't know the I don't know the vibe of all these Zoom shows, so I'm not really uh, I've been trying to pick up on it, but I haven't been able to, you know, figure out whether it's something that I can work with right now, you know? I feel like you would be very good at like Twitch streaming where you like take people on Google rabbit holes and you do some comedy, maybe a little bit of music in there. I feel like you cultivate that audience and that you have like a very, you're very like hooked into stuff. And so I think that you'd be great at live streaming. Honestly, if you just, I'll check it out. Yeah. Just in the meantime, while you're like, Waiting for that to happen. I know sometimes it's just good to have like a, a, just a place to go spitball and like kind of create a community, you know? Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're right. But please come back again. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah, no, anytime up. you need me, I'll be here. Yeah, anytime you want me to come back, I'll be available for you. You know that. I'll hit you up real soon because we've got to keep pumping these out and quarantine is showing yeah, no signs of slowing down. But thank you so much, sweetheart. No, it's not. Yeah. Bye, Absolutely. Guys. Thank you so much for having me, boss. Of course. Bye-bye. Have a good week, guys. Bye. Hey, beautiful. Can't really tell you where I'm at, but thank you. Think about you all the time. Wish you were here with me. It's not quite Tuscany, though. Someday. The time's right. Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co-founders of Reddit, but more recently, a large part of my identity is being a father to my two wonderful daughters. In my podcast, Business Dad, I'm hoping to open up the conversation about balancing careers and family. The one thing I constantly hear successful people say, without fail, is that they wish they'd spent more time with their kids. That's time no one can get back. So I decided to create Business Dad to engage in the conversation about how we're spending our time now providing a forum for successful dads to share their joys and challenges of being a working parent. You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, 
from Rain Wilson and Guy Raz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier. And while this podcast will talk about business and will definitely be featuring dads, I think everyone can learn something from these incredible conversations as we unpack the expectations we all have about careers, relationships, and ourselves. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.